Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're not here to indulge in fantasy, but in political and economic reality. America, America has become a second-rate power. Its trade deficit and its fiscal deficit are at nightmare proportions. Now, in the days of the free market, when our country was a top industrial power, there was accountability to the stockholder. The Carnegies, the Mellons, the men that built this great industrial empire made sure of it because it was their money at stake. Today, management has no stake in the company. Well, in my book, you either do it right or you get eliminated. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms. Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind. And greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Thank you very much. of losing it all but coming back. <laughs> no, that's, that's true. You really are... Uh, that's the kind of spirit you need to be in radio. Say, that's true. the kind of pioneer spunk that you need to get through these difficult times. It's been off for some 30-something years now. <laughs> yes, I can regroup and come back again. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, you are, the, uh, you are the Richard Nixon of radio. Thank you. <laughs> you at least the coffee's still you, free. <laughs> you, <laughs> you marshal your forces and reemerge triumphant. And there's always free coffee at the radio station. That's wonderful. Thus, we begin another broadcast. <laughs> Excellent, fantastic. Why, hello, it's uh, four minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of January, the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming by and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is uh, Tuesday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. Uh, we're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503 733 970-503-733-2970. If you'd like to uh, weigh in with your comments, clarifications, conventions, two cents, I don't know, midnight fever dreams of a reptile destroying Midtown Portland, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, Richie Bristol, about whom we'll talk more in a moment. Standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the, uh, the whatever, the what have you. It's 
970-503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. Richie is asking if we would like to participate in a sketch comedy program somewhere. I think the answer to that is always no, but I'll look into it. Never let it be said that Rick Emerson doesn't have an open mind about such things. All right. Well, in any event, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, before we get to anything else, uh, yeah, little Wall Street there at the top. Of the- God, what a bad movie that is. I mean, and it's one of those bad films that I've still seen 500 times and that I'll watch. I mean, it, it, Wall Street, we were talking yesterday about, about Norbit being on HBO for some like, some inexplicable reason. I don't know whose idea was. I don't know if it was some some sort of perverse joke played by somebody at HBO or whether it was just simply just a scheduling coincidence. But yesterday on Martin Luther King Day, HBO decided to play Norbit literally... I have about seven different HBO channels at home, and there were times when three of those channels were showing Norbit at once. Norbit, which I do believe at this point has been universally labeled like the worst movie in the history of everything. So it was actually too much movie for one channel to hold yesterday. Um, it, but when HBO isn't showing Norbit, and FX is this way too, they show Wall Street like constantly. Like FX is essentially now just the. It's just the Wall Street and Armageddon Network. I mean, that's all that it would do with a, with a side of rounders every now and again. That's all they show. And Wall Street is one of those films that we that we all kind of liked for about 18 months. And then I think it actually won. I think Michael Douglas won the Academy Award for that. I mean, that role is Gordon Gecko. God damn, it's a terrible film. It doesn't stop me from watching it. I wa- But I watch it the way that a lot of you watch enjoyable but bad films. I leave it on in the background while I'm doing other things. And then I only walk into the room to watch the scenes that I really care about. And then I leave the room for the rest of the movie. Or or this, because I have the TiVo. Sometimes I tune in and Wall Street is already playing. I will just... Do you ever do this with a film? You just skip ahead to the scenes you care about and skip past everything else. Let's see, here's the montage where Daryl Hannah's decorating uh, Bud's apartment. Skip. And then you just go to the greed is good thing. And then you go to the part where he has the showdown with Larry, Sir Larry David Walter, or whatever that guy's name is, where they're wrangling over the stock price. And then he skipped to the, uh, the, the scene at the end where he's fighting with Martin Sheen. Oh, Martin Sheen says, uh, I never judged a guy by the size of his wallet. And then the movie's done. That's it. So long before the Internet started doing this, I was doing either like Wall Street in nine minutes. It's happening at my house. Anyway. Uh, anyway, hi, it is uh, Tuesday. Here's what's coming up today. CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will be joining us from... I don't know if she's still in South... Is she still in South Carolina? Do you know? Sarah, can you take a I moment think... from warming your hands? To... <laughs> Seriously. I think um, I think she still is because she's getting ready to get on a plane to go somewhere. Fantastic. It is a little chilly in here. She's it's probably toasting her last squirrel before she leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that? That thing that not only... I think somebody was just talking about this on the Dennis Miller show, too. So not only did he have, not only did he have Chuck Norris doing his campaign ads, not only, and if you didn't hear yesterday's program, we'll play this again because it really is worth hearing eight or nine thousand times. Not only was he reminiscing, and again, not like in a flight of fancy kind of a way, or in a well, wouldn't it be interesting if, but in a, I actually did this kind of way. He was reminiscing about, I swear to you, when he was a college student, cooking squirrels inside a popcorn machine in his dorm room. So we'll play that again. And then uh, two nights ago, he had Ric Flair, who's a professional wrestler, standing next to him on stage. And he was introducing Ric Flair as his future Secretary of Defense. So, really, 
I mean, if you needed more reasons not to vote for that guy. I mean, unless you like the idea of the United States becoming one big Dukes of Hazard marathon for four years. Um, anyway, so we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins, who is in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, later on, Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us uh, from New York City, where he's covering... What is it? I it rhymes with Ock-Arket. Oh, yeah. Stock market. Uh, also, uh, Rudy Giuliani. And then James Roop will join us from Los Angeles, where the Oscar nominations uh, came out today. And everything accrued to either No Country for Old Men... Um, or There Will Be Blood. And I haven't seen No Country for Old Men. Uh, I'm not like the biggest Coen Brothers fan, but I am a massive fan of Paul Thomas Anderson. So I'm going to try to get that scene like today or tomorrow, like sometime in the next 48 hours. Uh, what else? In just a few minutes, we will uh, unveil uh, this contest that we've been teasing for a while. There's a little uh, tease up about it on the website. Uh, the, it's, 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 everything is about ready to be uh, to be revealed. So we'll do that here in just a few. Uh, what else? Cannibal Watch coming up today. Uh, Religious Nutcase Watch. More from the life of Richie Bristol, uh, mm -hmm. and so forth. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, working on the following stories for your edification today is your personal savior, Tim Riley. Well, Hillary's claws come out, and she uh, accuses Obama of working for a slum landlord. There is some good news today. Fidel Castro is re-elected president of Cuba. <laughs> he is he even opposed. He ran against... Um, I guess we don't have the name, but he is re-elected president of Cuba. Wonderful. Well done. And that's where they're lucky to get a scroll in the toaster. The Federal Reserve cuts interest rates to stem the slide into recession. All you baby makers take note out there, Portland is rated the best place to bring a little bundle of joy into the world, so get busy now. A senior citizen stops through Salem Donut Shop robbery. A Gresham woman is accused of stabbing her husband to death. Gresham considers expanding its drug-free zone is just considering it. A Sacagawea statue is stolen from uh, Fort Clatsop. Oh, there you go. Fantastic. It's all on the way. Uh, did you watch the debate last night? I did. Oh, man. It was, I mean... You Talk. see those looks from Hillary? Wow. I mean, I was telling Sarah about this. That I, here's what a nerd I am. We were talking about just a second ago about having a movie like Wall Street or something playing in the background. This is this is what a retard I am for politics. I watched last night's debate three times in a row, back to back to back. And then I didn't I didn't sit on the sofa the whole time. Like I was up and around doing stuff and whatever. But I just that I didn't change the channel once. I went home because yesterday was a holiday. We did our show yesterday and. Um, and then, you know, I stuck around, did some work, and then I went home and had dinner or whatever. And it, it, it turned the debate on, and my television didn't go off Channel 44 for the rest of the night. Mm -hmm. I mean, I finally went to bed around 1 o'clock, and the debate was still going on in the back. Because they would do the debate, then Anderson Cooper recap and assessment, then the debate, then Anderson Cooper. then And they would just rerun the same block of programming over and over again. So for however long that is, four and a half hours, six hours, something like that, I just had the debate going over and over in a constant loop in the background. And, of course, my house is set up. I've taken, it's not like I, as you may or may not know, not like I live in the best place on earth, but I have taken great care to sort of run the sound into each room of the house, so no matter where I walk in the house, I can hear whatever's playing on the television. Because, you know, if you're gonna, I figure if you're going to do something, do it well, and if you're going to waste one's life sitting in front of the... Uh, in front of the glass boob, you know, you might as well do it to the best of your ability. So no matter where you walk in my house, you could hear the debate playing last night. And there were moments when I expected Hillary just to push the podium over and just to tackle Barack Obama and begin punching him re relentlessly in the face. It was so great. It was wonderful. And then poor John Edwards, who's just sitting there like the forgotten boy, just... <laughs> 
John Edwards is just like sitting there. He's like a teddy bear with one eye, you know, just sort of abandoned. It's stuck back in a closet somewhere. That he, he's the velveteen rabbit of politics. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he really was so immensely satisfied. And, but, you know, I can tell you, Obama wasn't pulling any punches either. Uh, somebody sent me this email this morning. I was disappointed in the fact that I'm such a toady for Hillary or whatever. And I, I told him that there's no, I mean, I won't make any bones about it, that I, for the longest time, was pulling for Hillary and Giuliani. Just because I'm for whatever's going to give me the biggest bang for my buck come come fall, come come to November 08. I just I want whatever's going to cause the biggest dust up. And I don't know if it's going to be Giuliani at this point. It may be Hillary McCain, which I'm I'm sort of less interested in. I just because McCain just seems so tired. I mean, he just seems like he's he seems like he's just winding down on a at a bad pair of D cell batteries or something. But. Um, Obama was really, he was given, you know, he was given some good strong punches, but the thing about him, is he just doesn't have that go for your jugular, take out your knees and kick you in the skull thing that the Clintons have going. She has that look at her eye. I mean, I, I feel sorry for Bill Clinton when you upset Hillary. <laughs> I mean, she has pre plenty of practice. Oh, I know. Uh, it, Everybody else is just small potatoes there. She just, I mean, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but just a classic exchange last night. And you can tell that she just spends her time hunkered down, just polishing, polishing her mental razors, and just just being mean. I mean, just sitting there. I don't know what the I don't know what the mental equivalent of Rocky Balboa chasing chickens around a yard with Burgess Meredith is, but whatever whatever that exercise is, that's what Hillary Clinton spends about 98 percent of her time doing, just sitting there subsisting on a diet of like acorns and hate, and just waiting to unleash it on somebody, because there was this great exchange last night, and you could tell that Obama thought he was going to go for the knockout punch. You could tell that he thought he had something on her that was going to take her down once and for all, and they're having this back and forth, and Obama says, well, Hillary, I was busy working, you know, for whatever. I was busy working for, you know, the disenfranchised when you were sitting on the board of Walmart ten years ago. And the crowd kind of goes, you know, ooh, because everybody hates Walmart, you know, ooh. And, man, I swear to God, it wasn't like nine seconds later that she came back with, well, you know what, I was uh, I was working for National Health Care while you were defending Chicago slumlords. And it was just sort of a, right there. And you could, and I think I actually saw him sort of rock back a little bit from the podium. It was so gratifying. All right, that's the end of the nerding. We'll talk more about it with Lisa. Uh, Sarah Dillon joining us always. Hello, how are you? Hello, I love the Internet. Because? And I woke up with a cold this morning. Because I'm on this um, one of the sites that I go to, and somebody's taken the time to post every single actor from the movie Cloverfield as their character from their MySpace profiles. Uh -huh. And then look at this, and they're all talking about leading. Like, they've been doing this since uh, June. Wait, are these MySpace profiles done in character? These are MySpace profiles in character from all the characters Jesus. in Cloverfield, and they're all talking about leading up to um, Rob's so party on the, the 18th. Party Not one of them is logged in since January 18th. <laughs> That's so creepy. How creepy is that? <laughs> and how much do you love the Internet? I really do. Everything, like, like, all right, see you tonight. And then all of a sudden, looking through all of them, it's like, 118, 118, 118. Uh, and everybody can get off our back about spoilers. We didn't spoil anything about Cloverfield yesterday. We're not going to spoil anything about Cloverfield today. If you don't know that it's about a monster that kicks over buildings in the city, then you've just been living underneath a rock. So, I mean, it, and that's not a spoiler. That's simply what the movie's about, which I think everybody knows at this point. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about yeah, that. because it was spoiled beforehand. Where it was like, click here to see the Cloverfield monster. I'm like, okay, it's a monster. I mean, it's a monster movie. That doesn't, I mean, that's like, spoil. that's like, I didn't know Jaws was about a shark. I mean, it, it, it has nothing, it is, 
It is not the uh, it is not the destination. It is the journey, my friends. So we'll talk a little bit more about Cloverfield. Yeah, here this in is a so impressive though, because they've been doing this since June in these characters. Now, have you seen that that uh, that viral marketing campaign for Star Trek has already no, started? No, somebody said it to me. I haven't looked at it yet. Though. Damn you, J.J. Abrams, sucking away all my work time. Tim made an observation that this is really why we're so unproductive as a nation. <laughs> can, can you imagine the thousands of man hours that just the, we here in this room have frittered away looking at like at fake MySpace profiles of people that don't exist just to make more money for this for this fake, movie? Fake MySpace profiles and fat guys swinging broomsticks in a garage to the Star Wars <laughs> theme, and I mean just the, the, the amount of time that I spent watching that rapping traffic girl alone. I mean, think of what I could have done with my life. And, and people at work doing all our work for us, really. Yes. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I, we don't even really need to do show prep at this point just because the audience... That's email. God bless them. The audience acts as a giant news aggregator uh, for us. So, oh, speaking of things that I watched over and over the Internet, did you see that video of Bill Clinton asleep at the MLK service? That was funny. Oh, man. They're doing the, and I'm not going to use the stupid, he's having a dream line, but the, the, whatever, they're doing that, you know, the, the, you know, the big, whatever that church was, the Ebenezer Church or whatever, and they're doing that huge, like, the big crown jewel church service for MLK, like the big one that everybody pays attention to, and there's this great shot of Bill Clinton sitting in the crowd at the MLK speech, just completely sleeping, just dead to the world. It's wonderful. All right. Well, I'm sorry you're ill. It doesn't help, by the way, that it's about 14 degrees in the studio. It is so cold in here. And um, so I talked to Matt about it. He's going to look into it. Okay, and you know the one thing you want to do when you're not feeling well is go home and watch a bunch of DVDs. Get home. My DVD player doesn't work. That's wonderful. So I had to fish out my old uh, VHS um, tape player, and so my friend brought over a bunch of tapes for me. So I spent yesterday watching 1984, Freeway, like all these like, Oh, that's really a real pick-me-up. Downer movies. I know. I couldn't. So, yeah, that's what I did. I fell asleep watching 1984, and I had the worst, <laughs> freakiest Why are these rats on my face? I was... Oh, man. That's, <laughs> that's gnarly. The, that's the most effed up movie. Oh, you so th- I fell asleep on the couch watching that, and finally I go to bed, and I'm like, I keep hearing all these weird noises all oh. night, and Muppets growling at you my know, door. Uh, you know what? Oh. Especially if you're getting sick, because you know when you're sick, you have those weird... Those had, weird fever dreams. I was having fever dreams last night. I was really hot and sweaty and like. Those dreams you have when you're kind of sick are like the weirdest because it's because they just are uncomfortably surreal, and especially 1984. That's the one that came out of the 80s with Richard Harris or whoever, and it's just just so unbelievably creepy. Just I mean, isn't it's just, he the guy um, who plays? The Big Brother character in V for Vendetta. Uh, yeah. yeah okay, that yeah. was pretty. Yeah, I was. It's watching been a while it. since I've seen it, but yeah, it's it's just. It's and very one of the other main characters in 1984, I was noticing, is one of also um, one of the main characters in V for Vendetta. I actually have only ever seen it once because I watched it and it just freaked me out too badly. I just I just decided not to. I, just, I opted out of watching that again. So, well, I'm sorry, your DVD player, but that you're watching VHS. Did you even have any VHS tapes, or did he have to bring them over for you? You know what? I've been toting them around for years, and I haven't watched them. I have Anne of Green Gables and Anne of Avonlea. Anne of Green Gables. I have a recorded copy from, like, you know, USA in the early 90s of When Harry Met Sally. Uh, I have this one. Oh, my God, Rick. I have the greatest movie ever that I got at a garage sale. Uh I had Danielle Steele's Daddy. <laughs> Starring uh, TV's Patrick Duffy. Wonderful. And also Ben Affleck and Jenny Lewis. It is the and the lady who played Wonder Woman. It's hard to believe that Danielle Steele would put her name on anything less than wonderful. Oh, it's it's the greatest. Danielle Steele kind of fascinates me. I mean, who is she? Is she a real person or is she like V.C. Andrews? 
Because, you know, there's no V.C. Andrews. She did an intro for Daddy. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. She's like, as you know, many marriages come to an end at some point. And she's, and she's like, this is the story of a man's struggle after his wife decides to leave him. Here's the thing about Daniel Steele. Daniel Steele is one of those celebrity name authors, you know, like Tom Clancy or John Grisham or Stephen King, but, like, only to a very specific section of, of America. And not just women, but like to a certain type of woman. There's a certain type of woman who reads Daniel Steele novels. And Daniel Steele is sort of alone among celebrity authors in that I can't, I mean, you obviously, because you've seen her on TV, but I can't, I don't know what she looks like. She's very I classy. couldn't tell she you looks, anything about she looks her. how you would think. Very slender, like light brown hair, like wears lots of jewelry, has her nails done really I'm not well. trying to imply anything bad about her, but I mean, you do wonder if she's one of those women who... Where, like, she no longer writes them herself, like, her name is on them, and she has ghostwriters mm-hmm. cranked. Because, you know, like, when is the last time Tom Clancy actually wrote a novel? I mean, if you go, you go to the books, I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not much of a Tom Clancy fan, but Tom Clancy at some point entered this weird netherworld where it's no longer whatever, The Cardinal of the Kremlin, by Tom Clancy, Hunt for Red October, by Tom Clancy. Now it's like Tom Clancy's... You know, uh, you know, underwater siege or whatever. And then you look at the copyright information, and it's no longer copyright like 2007 Tom Clancy. It's like copyright 2007, blah 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 blah, incorporated. And you just know there's some know team Danielle of hacks in a basement. I uh-huh. Rick Emerson. I'm just saying. She even intro to Daddy and. Patrick Duffy and Ben Affleck is so young in it. It's the youngest I've ever seen him in a movie. I almost played a Ben Affleck clip this morning instead of Wall Street, by the way. I almost played Ben Affleck in Boiler Room. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow. It's another stock film. I I I find a, a piece of daddy to play. Okay, that sounded wrong. Wow. <laughs> That's what, I'm going to find a piece of daddy to play. It is the most Rawr. awkward movie title, too, because after I was watching it, I went out with some friends last night, and they're like, we're so we're so impressed that we were able to take you away from daddy to go out. <laughs> i got to go home. Daddy's waiting. <laughs> yeah. I have to go home and sounded wrong. I have to go home and finish daddy. You'll forgive me, won't you? <laughs> It's never ending, I tell you. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, let me announce the. We'll announce this fantastic contest here in just one second. I've dragged that out as long as possible. Uh, just briefly, I want to note, I've been invited to. I get invited to the weirdest things. Some of these things I get invited, you know, to them. And it, it, clearly, they're meant for Sarah or somebody else. And sometimes they're just. I don't know who they're meant for. Subject line on this invitation: Spend this Friday evening with five hot dudes and a super fox. <laughs> yes, Rick. It says, it says to feign like that they know who I am. Yes, Rick, this Friday night is party time with International Mail. I don't know what International Mail is. Is it like some... I think it's a catalog. Is it? Is it like a clothing line? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever. At the bitter end, I guess. I, I can't see you wearing any of those skimpy things. No, the and then they have a picture, and it's International Mail, but like the picture that comes along with it is just some large-bosomed woman... Who I think is drinking liquor straight out of a bottle. Mm-hmm. So, Sarah, I'll hand this to you. I don't want to hang out with a large bosomed woman. No, but there's going to be five hot dudes in addition to the Anyone super who sits there and calls himself a hot dude is not a hot dude. Yeah, that's probably true. Oh, that's, that's Kim Kardashian. Oh, well, maybe she'll be there. Uh, I've got this little bit of Cloverfield news that we'll get to in just a, uh, in just a few, though. But before we do anything else, let me just... I've teased this long enough. Um... Let's see. Where is my uh, where is my drum roll, ladies and gentlemen? We've been uh, we've been sort of making allusions to this uh, over the last little bit, over the last week or so. We were I have to say we were really really excited when this came together because I didn't know I didn't know if the parameters of this contest were going to end up coming together the way we wanted. So if you've seen uh, the blog or anything recently, I put up a little uh, post that said that we were going to be giving away the best geekiest coolest prize ever, and so here it is. And I'll just. Uh, 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, AM 970 could be sending you, yes, you, or possibly somebody else, but maybe you, uh, to Las Vegas to see Spamalot at the Wynn Casino, which is badass, by the way. Have you guys seen anything about the Wynn Casino in, in Vegas? I've been there before. Oh, have you been to the Wynn? I think so. Right, right, right after it opened. Oh, man. It is, it's unbelievable. I didn't I've never, stay there. I've never seen Of course, I, did, you did stay there? Did not. No. Oh, you know, how, oh, no. how could you? Because <laughs> <laughs> it costs like a jillion dollars a night. And especially now. I'm not going to be staying home for a whole You whole should be time. buying stock in the Wynn Casino, Tim. You should be. <laughs> Um, you can win free round-trip airfare for two to Las Vegas, free uh, free two-night stay at the Wynn Hotel in Las Vegas, and two VIP tickets to see Spamalot in Las Vegas at the Wynn. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to be giving away some other stuff, too. There's ten finalists who are going to win uh, deluxe editions of Monty Python's Life of Brian, the box set. That but so cool. The big prize, though, yes, a trip for two to Las Vegas. And the great thing about it, I'm not going to get all the details out of it. The great thing is, you know, sometimes you win a prize like this, and it's like there's certain dates, like must go on a Tuesday and return Friday morning at 1 a.m. Uh, there are no, you can pick your own dates. There's no blackout dates on it, which, you know, sometimes they're like, you cannot go on a Friday and Saturday. You you must go in the middle of the night during the middle of the week. This, you can pick whatever date you want to go. There's no restrictions on it. There's no whatever. So it's free round-trip airfare to two, uh, for two to Las Vegas, a two-night stay at the Wynn Hotel, and two VIP tickets to see Spamalot in Las Vegas at the Wynn. I mean, it's unbelievably cool. It is righteous. So... Uh, you can find out all the details at 970.am, but here's the upshot of it, because it is for spam a lot. The upshot, we tried to think of something that was interesting that everybody could do, and then it's sort of vaguely tied into this. So we are proud to uh, unveil the Lot of Spam for spam a lot contest. It took us four seconds to come up with that name. Uh, and what it, it is, it is a spam sculpting contest. And so what you need to do is go to 970.am to find out more. So here's the deal. You got until Friday, uh, February 1st at 3 p.m. And what you do is you go out and you buy yourself some spam, however much or however little you want. You create a spam sculpture, and then you go to 970.am, and you upload the photo of it. You submit it at 970.am. It's no, and don't, don't, don't Photoshop, don't fake it or you know, what, no, uh, no, uh, no, no technological altering or augmenting, as they say. So you create your spam sculpture, you take a shot of it, you upload it at 970.am. Ten finalists will win the Monty Python's Life of Brian Immaculate Edition box set. Uh, the three, then whatever, like three, we'll narrow it down to three people who bring their sculptures into the studio, and one of them uh, will win the trip for two to Las Vegas to see Spamalot plus uh, lodging and everything at the Wynn Hotel Casino in Las Vegas. Are you looking at the Wynn Casino? Uh, no, I was looking at an email. Okay. How do you spell Wynn? W-Y-N-N. He's the fellow who put his fist through a multi-million dollar painting. Yeah, no, he yeah, he's the guy, he bought that Monet or whatever it was. He, he like, accidentally shoved his elbow right through it and caused, like, $3 million worth of damage. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's Steve Wynn, who essentially owns, like, everything in Vegas. Uh, he's he's he owns about eighty percent of that. Oh, it has a triple A five diamond rating. Oh, I yeah. think I do believe it is the only casino in the world to have those ratings. I remember watching Ocean's Thirteen and how they're stealing the di- like the the huge diamond rating and how important that is. It's way up on the strip though. It, yeah. it's not next to it's way up. There. It's I know it's, it's on, on its own little distance. yeah it's yeah. like in its own little isolated island. Uh, so anyway, which is nice because you don't have to see all the fat tourists like shoving their fanny packs in your face. <laughs> uh, we're taking my kids to see that volcano, uh, uh, or passing out those X-rated cars on Amigo, Amigo, X-rated <laughs> cars. girls, 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 good sexy girl, give you fun time. Uh, anyway, oh, so go to big and shiny. Yes, it is. 
Go to 970.am right now. You find out more. Now, you got a little while to do it. You, we got to get your uh, pictures in by 3 p.m. Friday, February 1st. And then uh, we'll narrow it down to 10, and then to 3, and then to 1. So it is the Lot of Spam for Spam-A-Lot contest. Uh, go to 970.am to find out more. So we're really, really uh, excited about that. It's fantastic. Uh, we'll see whoever this is, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back with Lisa. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, this is Brian. Listen, yesterday when you guys played that clip of the Cloverfield thing backwards, yeah. you have to remember you're broadcasting on like a 19-watt AM station, so it came through my radio uh -huh. really bad. Uh-huh. And so I waited to the Steve, Kass, Steve Kassenbaum interview. I hung back. I had a job at noon I had to be to, so I pulled over before I got to it and waited. Then you guys played it. I couldn't hear what it was. You're like, well, we're going to take a break now. Bye. <laughs> like, you bastard. No. What did it say? It, is, have it, again, it is really garbled. That's the thing. It actually is. I thought about uh, tweaking it in, um, you know, in like Pro Tools. Uh, yeah, and cleaning it up and boosting the high end. Let me see here. I think I've, I think I've, I, I I haven't even seen the movie, so I was kind of intrigued by what exactly it was. And, and it's I'm not like, a it's not a spoiler, by the way. So the guy oh, who no, was I, like I wasn't worried. The, well, no, there was some guy like reaming on me about how it was a spoiler and I was giving things away. And it's you know, but it's it's not a spoiler because there's an, even if you went to see this in the theater, there is no way that you could ever hear this because it's a piece of audio that is played backward. Uh, once the closing credits are done, in other words, you, there's, you know, you would have to like get the movie on DVD, take it home, record it, put it on your computer, reverse it, and then play it back. So uh, yeah. we're not spoiling anything. Okay, so what? I'll play this here, and then we'll take a break. What happens is you hear some garbled speaking and a little static, and then they reverse it, and you hear a voice say the words, "It's still alive." All right, so we'll play that, and then we'll, then we'll take it. Okay. I'm going to put you on hold so you can hear it. Hang tight. All right, we'll play this, and then we'll break. Photograph somebody sent me from Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and it's like him and Shia LaBeouf walking down the stairs, and they're flanked by cobwebs, and they're walking by these big stone reptile heads. Jesus, I'm retarded. It looks so cool, though. All right, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along. Uh, coming up at noon, the noon news hour with Tim Riley. Later on, Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop. Uh, let's see, what else is coming up today? Uh, religious, Nutcase Watch, Cannibal Watch, all that. Ladies and gentlemen, from uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, uh, home of things and stuff and dirt and whatnot, uh, Lisa Desjardins, hello there. Well, hello. How's life? How are things? Oh, it's great. I'm looking right at the NASCAR Cafe. Really? Honestly? Honestly, yes. That is it. You know... That is a uh, t-shirt sale over there today. Little pink houses for you and me, Lisa. <laughs> uh, that's like when I went to. Um, uh, I I used to do this. Uh, I used to do this bad show that was on in Fargo, and uh, so I I went out to Fargo one time to meet you know the people, and it was just like here except that everything here is covered in Portland Trailblazers uh, you know pictures and whatever. Everything mm. there had like Dale Earnhardt Jr. on it. So like you would you would walk to the to the Safeway or the supermarket or whatever, and in like every box of Wheaties, every vending machine that sold everything had like Richard Petty where you know with like his racing garb on. So, um. 
All right, so much to talk yes. about today. Uh, yes. Let me just back up and just throw a, a couple brief things at you. A, okay. you undoubtedly have heard this insane audio of Mike Huckabee, I swear to you, reminiscing about cooking a squirrel inside a popcorn popper in his dorm room as a college student. No, I have not oh heard that. I've, I've been shielded or, I don't know, sequestered here. I, okay. I have not heard that. I'm going to find that, and we're going to play it before <laughs> this call is done. I mean, I don't... I don't mean to be mocking the common clay of the New West, but it does seem like Huckabee has this thing in his head that if he can just corner like the Jeff Foxworthy vote, then like that's then that, that's like all he needs because he not only has Chuck Norris doing his campaign ads, he in this video that you'll hear is talking about again. I swear to you, talking about cooking a squirrel inside a popcorn maker. I don't even he, understand that. That makes no sense to me. I guess it's a thing you do. I don't know when you're not out. I don't know, having like a contest to see who can stare at the sun the longest or whatever. I don't understand how that works, actually. Okay, well, all right. I'm sure there's someone in, you know, like Bend or Corvallis or somebody that can call up and tell us. <laughs> um, but uh, but then he then he's you know on stage the other night, I think at, um, do we have breaking news, Tim? I'm sorry, Lisa, can you hold on just one second? Sure. Tim, do we need to do this? We do. All right, hold on a second. Let me uh, go to our news director, Tim Riley, who has a little bit of breaking news for us. Tim, go ahead. Fred Thompson has quit the Republican presidential race after a string of poor finishes in early primaries in conquer states. I hope that my country and my party have benefit from having me made this effort, said Thompson. <laughs> Jerry and I, I guess that's his, oh, that's his trophy wife, will always be grateful for the encouragement and friendship of oh so many wonderful people. His state was sealed last Saturday and even before that when he finished third in the state that he said he needed to win. Once again, Fred Thompson has dropped out of the Republican presidential race. So there we go. That just in. Were you aware of that, Lisa? I, you know, I'm just seeing this now. Yeah, you guys beat me to the punch on that. That's yes. what we do. Uh, so, uh, all right, let me just, I have to finish this thought and then we'll get on to Fred Thompson here. So, so Huckabee is, he has Chuck Norris doing his campaign ads. He's talking about uh, eating a squirrel out of a popcorn thing in this clip. And then he has uh, Ric Flair, who is a wrestler, a professional wrestler from the WWF or the WWE, on stage with him the other night, who he then jokingly introduces as his Secretary of Defense. So uh, there really does seem to be an ultra sort of niche marketing going on inside the Huckabee camp, but we'll move on from that. Um, got him pretty far, you know, up till now. <laughs> I suppose. Uh, so this Fred Thompson thing was expected, undoubtedly. It was expected, and, you know, I think we we thought it would happen sometime this week. It just wasn't clear exactly when. There was an outside chance he would hang around till Super Tuesday because of all the southern states involved there. But, you know, if, if he, he can't place better than third in South Carolina, it's not like Alabama's going to uh, be, a, be a natural case for him to do a lot differently. Man, you have to put in a lot of work. I saw him. He was doing that speech the other night, and as I, I sent a text message to a friend of mine saying that it was actually – it was like he was at a poorly attended, badly produced cable access event. I mean, it was like the camera did this unfortunate wide shot at some point, and I swear to you there were like three people in the audience, two of whom I think might have just been there for the chicken. It was it was really hard to tell. And uh, my friend was actually, my friend uh, Chris Neither was actually so depressed by the whole thing, he had to turn off his television. Oh. He, and he's not even a Fred Thompson supporter. He's just a sort oh. of an observer. <laughs> and he said he just found the whole thing just so relentlessly grim that he had to just turn off the TV and go outside for a while. Um, my my favorite part of that whole speech was he didn't say these exact words, but he might as well have. He basically said, 
Yeah, I'm going to bed early. Yeah. I mean, he just sort of... I'll, I'll see you guys. I'm going to bed. He just, he shuffled around like some sort of heavily sedated grizzly bear and then just sort of like stumbled through the curtains and off stage, leaving everybody sort of puzzled and confused in his wake. It was all very strange. <laughs> It was odd, yeah. Uh, it's hard to believe that, like, six months ago, he was the golden hope. I mean, it was just, you know. Um, all right, last night. Um, right. Wow. I mean, I was saying this earlier. Here's what a nerd I am, and a little bit of brand loyalty here. I turned on the debate last night uh, on Channel 44 here in Portland, and I left my television on CNN until 1 in the morning when I went to bed, which oh. means that I watched the debate and then the Anderson Cooper recap three times, back to back to back. <laughs> That's great. How was the recap? Because I wasn't watching oh. that. I was uh, doing the ra doing the radio reporting. And by the way, congratulations on uh, I saw I saw I heard your voice on CNN on Saturday when you were talking with uh, Dana Bash uh, right. about this this insanity with the voting booths. Nuttiness uh, with the voting booths. Yeah, that's a whole other story, right? CNN. It took forever for CNN to report it, and we were way out ahead on it, and they just. They just weren't responding to my emails for maybe three hours. <laughs> and, I, and I know that we're all over the road today, but I think that's an outgrowth of the fact that you yeah. and I haven't had a chance to talk in a while. So let's, no. let's back up for just a second. Uh, so <laughs> on Saturday uh, the, at the South Carolina uh, Republican primary, so in, the, in, in that county, what, they just, the, the machines just quit working? None of the machines started working. And, well, not none, but, but uh, more than 80% of the machines didn't work from, from go. And so they, they, and this is the largest county in the state, 118 precincts. So there were, you know, almost 100 precincts were down and immediately went to paper ballots, and many of them ran out pretty quickly. So in some places, people were writing literally on napkins, you know, just writing a name on a napkin, handing it in. Uh, other places, they, they just they told people to go home. They said, uh, yeah, sorry, come back. Uh, here's a dumb question, but, I mean, doesn't that – I don't know, it seems like that violates some law or something. If you if you show up to vote and you're allowed to vote and they tell you you can't. Right. This county, you know, they really, uh, you know, I hate this cliche, but they did dodge a bullet in this county because if it had been a close race or if John McCain had lost, uh, this is a big county for John McCain generally. His lawyers were all, they were, they were all over the place. It was basically at the election headquarters for this county, it was myself and four John McCain lawyers standing there <laughs> wow. waiting for waiting to figure out what was going on. So if there had been a close race here for John McCain, it, it would have been messy. It would have been potentially another Florida from 2000. So the county is lucky. They're not national news, but they, they still have a very serious problem inside the county. Apparently just someone didn't reset the machines uh. to get them going. It oh, was yeah. it, it was actually pretty great. I did nerd out a little bit when I was sitting there uh, uh, shoveling bad pizza into my mouth on Saturday. <laughs> and Dana Bash said, CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins has that story. And I kind of did like hey. a little, I did like a little, yeah, like in the living room. So Exactly. You know, the one disappointing thing is I never got to report the best part, which was late in the day. I was, you know, and I was emailing all this, but just the CNN guys decided they didn't care. Uh Late in the day, the McCain camp decided they were going to try and extend the hours, get a court order. Right. But they, they couldn't find the judge in this county. And so there was literally a race all around the county knocking on doors trying to find a judge. And they finally found a judge at a basketball game. And they're, and they're trying. At this point, there's maybe 15 minutes of voting left, essentially. I love the idea and that it was like a, cannon, a cannonball run kind of event to try was. to find a judge. Um, exactly. So <laughs> let's then jump ahead to last right. night. So I really... Uh, so much to say about this, but I'll, it simply it was like it's such a cliche to say the gloves came off, but I it was like they were going to get locked in a steel cage by the end of the night. Oof. 
the greatest thing I think about last night's debate, actually, and I don't know if you could pick this up on air or in the coverage, was the audience, because that audience came in there, you know, in love with Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, you know, couldn't be more excited about the Democratic candidates. And once they started throwing those darts and scratching at each other, this audience was different than others I've seen. A lot of other audiences have gotten involved and started the cat calls and booing and screaming. But for the most part, the audience just kind of laughed, you know, like they were right. watching two kids saying ridiculous sure. things. Like they, like they couldn't believe what they were hearing. It was, like, it was a great commentary on the silliness of it all. Uh, and yet a lot of people walked away shaking their heads, but it was a good night for John Edwards. We talked to plenty of people in that audience that weren't even thinking about him and uh, decided they were going to after last night because he, Managed to stay above it all, as they say. It was funny, man. But I got to tell you, just it, I, I really do, in a perverse way, just love watching the exercising <laughs> of the political long knives. And Hillary, of course, everybody knew that she's just a kneecapper. And I mean, she was just waiting, right. to, waiting to use that line about representing slumlords on Barack Obama, oh, um, which, which, which she did like 60 seconds after he used the Walmart line, which I think he thought was going to be some sort of knockout punch. And she just oh. came back and went right for his jugular. It was just. Oh. It was so unreal to watch it. I mean, it, it was, was like it was like watching Godzilla kick over a paper mache Tokyo. It was, you know, I actually was feeling sick. I'm such a dork, but I was really feeling sick to my stomach about it because the setup leading into the debate was honestly this this auditorium, you know, half black, half white, very mixed though. You know, not blacks on one side, whites on the other, and you know, the entire auditorium that stood up just minutes before the debate, sang the national anthem, sang the black national anthem, which is a beautiful, very uplifting song. You know, like I said, there were some people kind of had tears in their eyes, very, you know, very united and singing. <laughs> and, and then after that, you get these candidates on stage that are just pulling out weapon after weapon, you know. And it, it was, oh, it was, it was rough. It was brutal. And then, and then uh, Obama... Like nine different times, he mastered this art of like the very subtle dismissal and put down of John Edwards. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's true. Because he kept saying, you know, and he kept sort of alluding to, you know, the fact that well, it was Hillary and Obama, and then this white male sitting next to them. And I mean, and he he would just, and every time he would make a crack about John Edwards speaking for all the white men in America, he would do this great dismissive wave of his left hand. <laughs> I saw that too. And he also took, at the very beginning, tried to take the one big gust of wind John Edwards has, which is, of course, his father, the mill worker, you know, and, and Barack Obama brought it up first. Yeah. <laughs> You know, John, I relate to people like your father, the mill worker. Uh. And, you know, and I think another thing that really stood out being there uh, was, was honestly Hillary Clinton, something she has down, is she has that harsh, Icy stare down like nobody. <laughs> it's true. It really is. I mean, I just keep picturing her wearing a habit and holding a ruler in front of me in second grade or something. It was some of those times I just looked at it fascinated. Wow. I mean, that is just this intense gaze at the person standing five feet away from you. Just, you know, not doesn't verge too far. Doesn't it's not clear that, you know, that she it's not hatred, but it's clear, you know, opposition. She's and, inflexible. Know, almost disgust. And, yeah, and, you know, she really has learned, uh, it's, it, God, it's just amazing how quickly candidates adapt these days. And what Hillary has lately picked up, I think she knows kind of what is going to get a response out of people now. Because lately she's been harping a lot on the whole, well, the Republicans have been coming after me for 16 years and I'm still yeah, here. Yeah. 
And I yeah. think she knows that that is a way to simultaneously appeal to maybe some female voters who uh, feel that she's being unjustly targeted because she's a woman, uh, mm -hmm. and also to appeal to people who maybe have an axe to grind against the GOP, also okay. to underscore her own strength and the fact that she's like, you can't get rid of me, I'm here, I'm going to stay here. Um, CNN apparently, and I didn't see this, but somebody... Uh, who I trust has said this. He said CNN is reporting that uh, uh, Hillary Clinton and John Edwards met privately after the debate in Edwards' green room. Have you heard anything about that? I had not heard that. Let me uh, look on a reporting right now. I had not heard that. And he doesn't say when or where he heard that, but it's uh, uh, he's uh, mm -hmm. kind of a fellow politics nerd, so maybe that's true or not. I mean, I it, Edwards really did seem like such the odd man out, but amazing, he did seem to be... Mr. High Road last night, though. You know, although it's interesting, for the first time you saw John Edwards go after Barack Obama, mm -hmm. and, and, and we had not seen that before, so that was interesting. You know, I think the shame of it is I think both Hillary Clinton, we've talked about this before, and Barack Obama, to me, they've got some really easy um, high roads where they, that they can take. I, you know, I, I think they would both do really well if, for instance, Hillary Clinton said, I think Barack Obama's a great leader. I think he's, you know, obviously he, he cares about civil rights. He's not someone who is trying to help slumlords, you know. Like she said, I think he's a great man, but, you know, just not yet for him. Yeah, just wait eight years for him. You know, versus oh, Barack Obama, all he has to do is really say, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to respond to all of these petty charges. Go to my website. You'll see responses for this. You know, and, and I think Bill Clinton was a great man, Hillary, but honestly, people want something new. You were wonderful. You've served your country. But honestly, we need something new. So, you know, both of them have these you know, ways of, that they could kind of be nice and just move past it. But, nope. You know, I guess I think like it is. The old politics 101. No, it's true. And I, and I think that there is, I think there's two different schools of thought. I mean, there's the school of thought that says, you you know, that you, you play the subtle game and, and you use nuance and you only, you use a light touch and only do what you need to do. And then there is. Then there is that other school of thought that says, you know what, that you, you that a friend of mine who who studied, uh, she studied uh, uh, martial arts for a long time, and and she had this, she used to have this plaque that hung in her home office, and it just, it was a one, it was a slogan, and it just said, uh, if you're in a fight, hit first and hit hard. And hmm. I think a lot of people just figure, like, you know what, I'm just going to, there is no point in restraint, and I may not live to see another day, so I'm going to unload every single thing I have right now. Um, this, okay, this is from politicalticker.blogs.cnn.com. Oh, you know, I've been looking all around CNN, and I'm not finding it. You guys, yeah. you guys, you guys, are, you guys are killing me on the reporting here today. You know what? To be, you know, you you're my, you have been uh, overloaded uh, for the last few days. I know that your brain is, is probably, you know, at this point, you, you have been following ten times the stuff we have. So if we can help... You know, help you at all. You know, we're we're happy to do so. This, uh, yeah, it's politicalticker.blogs.cnn.com says Hillary and John met privately backstage following a contentious debate. Sources with both campaigns confirmed to CNN. Blah blah blah. So there you go. Oh, that's interesting. Well, the one thing I can say in my defense is uh, because I've actually I had to check out of my hotel and my plane doesn't leave for a couple of hours. I'm actually operating out of the Myrtle Beach Kinkos, and I'm standing next to <laughs> at this exact minute. I'm standing next to the vacuum seal machine. <laughs> Wow. So, so there you go. Well, okay, it's a real Algonquin roundtable there. Um, <laughs> all right, no, no, no. I was just saying we are. We, you know what? You uh, like your political intellect and acumen outstrips ours by a factor of like a billion to one. Come so on. if we can ever bring anything to the table, we're happy. Let me <laughs> let me leave you with a smile here. I will play you this Huckabee uh, oh, squirrel great. clip. So this is, um, I think, when he's talking to Joe Scarborough, and he. He's talking about, you know, his whole thing of, you know, 
I, I, as Fred Thompson once said, you know, Fred Thompson made this together. I can outpour any of these candidates, and so now it's like a whole race to see who can be the poorest earliest. Um, <laughs> right. And you know, like no one ever says, well, you know, if I grew, I grew up middle class and everything was pretty fine. Vote for me. It's a whole lot of like <laughs> I grew up and had to eat dirt clods for the first nine right. years of my life. Right. So here is Mike Huckabee uh, courting the redneck vote by talking about cooking a squirrel. Hold on. Uh, let's see. This is from. January 16th. They do like people like you. <laughs> well, South Carolina is a great place for me. I mean, I, I know how to eat grits. Uh, <laughs> I, I speak the language. And, uh, you know, we even uh, know how to talk about eating fried squirrel and stuff like oh, that. Oh, so yeah. we're, it's, we're on the same okay. wavelength. Yummy, <laughs> yummy, by the way, yummy. Mika, I bet you never did this. Yeah. When I was in college, we used to take a popcorn popper, because that was the only thing that they would let us use in the dorms, and we would fry squirrel and popcorn oh! poppers in the dorm room. Oh. oh. There you go. Wow. Wow. Where were they skinning the squirrel? Was that in the dorm as well? I don't really know. Were they skinning the squirrel? Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I perhaps am not as well versed in, in heartland behavior as I might ideally be. So... There you go. So a squirrel in every popcorn maker, if uh, Mike Huckabee exactly. is elected president. All right. Um, I, 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 yes. I was just going to say, tomorrow, technically, I'm going to be off the docket, but I'll be in Atlanta. So, you know, tell them if there's any uh, political topic to which I can speak, that I am actually available, though you won't see my name on them. All right. Will do. Okay. Thank you so much. Well, um... All right. Uh, well, I'll th go, go get some rest or sleep or drink or all three or something like that. Uh, have a safe flight. Uh, we will talk to you very soon. Thanks for uh, giving us a few uh, minutes today. I know you're kind of... Uh, hey, thanks to you and yeah. Jim. That's great. Oh, okay. As, uh, as always, uh, uh, we will uh, talk to you very soon. Have a great day, Lisa. All right. All right. They go fantastic. Lisa Desjardins at a Kinko's in Myrtle Beach. Wonderful. All right. I dig her. I can uh, tell. I'm just... Yes? Something you want to say? No. She's a fine gal. I haven't had a chance sure to talk to her for like a week. We had catching up to do. Okay, fine. Anywho, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Nothing. You were just, I don't know, you were like, it's like you were giving me, you were giving me looks during that, during that you call. You just seemed overly gushy today. I've had a lot of caffeine. Yeah. I had a lot of sleep. And uh, it, not to sound all girly about it, but I haven't had a chance to talk to Lisa in like four or five days. And there's been much happening. Uh, there's, I mean, it's. I'm trying to think of. Uh, I'm trying to think of a comparison to make. But I mean, you know, she's our. She's our go-to. Look, can I just say this? I feel like there are so few people in the world with whom I can just have uh, giddy nerd observations about politics. I mean, we, you know, we talk about it some here and whatnot. But I mean, you know, she really is just like right down there in the political mud with all with all of us and everybody else. So I'm sorry, I'm not one to judge. I'm seeing you're poking, you know, posting pictures of Amy Winehouse smoking crack. <laughs> We are a big tent here, aren't we? God, did you see that photograph I sent you uh, this morning mm -hmm. of her? I was speaking all fracturedly, but that, that's yeah. That that picture of her this morning, I okay. I never found her to be attractive for whatever reason. She's not my style or whatever. But man, that picture of Amy Winehouse this morning is just that's so bad. I mean, it's unbelievable. Well, she's bad. had a busy day since today. The crack video came out. She dyed her hair brown and she just checked into rehab. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to make a joke. I'm not even going to make a pun because it would just be stupid. She's really on her way to becoming like a untalented Shane McGowan. So, all right. Uh, this is NPR, National Public Radio. Tim, Tim Riley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Tim, do you have news for us? Oh, yes. Fantastic. Around the corner, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. 
Uh, later on, Steve Kastenbaum, uh, James Roop joining us. Cannibal Watch, Penis Watch, uh, all of that. You, I can't get over the fact that the CNN campaign center today is at a Kinko's in Myrtle Beach. Next to the vacuum seal. That was the detail that really closed it for me. Wonderful. Back after this. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Radio, to be fair, I don't wish to unfairly malign things here. If you have an HD radio, which are much more reasonably priced than you might expect, uh, this station does sound a lot better. I mean, there's a greater fidelity and clarity. We do not have a, an actual HD stream proper, though. Um, that's, those are still in the offing, as they say. Those are still coming up. By which I mean that Kink will get it, like, tomorrow, and then everybody else will wait. But I must ask. Yeah. Take those questions. I'm sorry? Is money better spent putting the feed online than it is buying an HD channel? Well, I, we're, yes, two separate things. The, the feed will be online. Um, mm. No, as it, it, somebody asked us this the other day. Uh, because putting the feed, I mean, I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm not an engineer. Uh, but, um, but putting the feed, like a streaming the station online, actually doesn't really cost that much at all. And we're I mean, reaching more of the people, are we not? It is true. Uh, so that is, because we do get asked this a lot, so we do, uh, we archive this midday show, uh, but, uh, we don't have a proper stream as of yet, and the, actually, the only reason for that is because legal is just waiting through paperwork to do it. Because when you do a stream online, you have to get, uh, contractual permission from every single person who creates every single thing on the station. So, like, like, uh, Max, our big voice guy, the guy that says, and now, from the, like, we have to get, you know... Like written permission from from him and his people, written permission from, uh, you know, the, the everybody at every one of the shows. That's only fair. You know, all of that yeah. stuff. So it actually that is in the works, and really there is. And I'm not just saying that to sort of keep people from asking me the question. Uh, that we will be streaming in the very near future this radio station online, probably the entire lineup, probably 24 hours a day. Uh, it really, but no exaggeration. There's, I would say, two inches of paperwork for it. It's just massive, and of course the. So we're going to need new staplers because the old ones really don't go through paper. That that. that no, no, that's not true. Becca has got a stapler back there. Have you seen that stapler by the uh, by Becca's printer? Oh, I have. But the, do the lawyers have that? One? No, it's like a handle that you just. And I mean, it'll go through brick. I mean, it's amazing. So you shouldn't talk to Becca today, though. She's in mourning. Oh, because of uh, that G team lost. The G team. It says it had no, G on the hat, and I was asking that's what Richie that was. That's Richie and Timmy Ryan. They're the G team. Uh, yeah, the yeah the Packers yeah. got the the Packers got yeah, smoked. Yeah, she was very upset because she really did not like Cloverfield. Yeah, she's she had a yeah a bad couple of days. The Packers got creamed. She tried to cheer herself up by going to see Cloverfield, which I guess she disliked intensely. But yeah, so um, I actually I actually didn't even speak to her this morning because I thought she might be so upset about the Packers that I didn't want to like. I don't want to talk to her and then have her burst into tears like a woman. So, short like for a I, woman. Is that short for meat packers? <laughs> well, I don't know, Tim. No, I don't believe it is. No, well, you know, you know who, and we'll go to the news here in a second, but you know who else is just going to be mental about it is Don Geronimo, because he's, a, you know, a diehard Packers fan. And he has this whole superstition, like a lot of sports fans, where he just, you know, he has this thing about how he wouldn't take down his Christmas decorations because he somehow in his head decided that the Christmas decorations were linked to the Packers' continued winning streak. And so he wasn't going to take down any of his Christmas decorations until the Packers, until it was like it was all over. And then I do believe 
that every single day he added a new piece of Green Bay Packers clothing to his outfit. And the last item to be put on this weekend were boxer shorts. And so I had this great image of him sitting in front of the television this weekend watching the Packers with all of his, like, old-ass Christmas decorations up and then dressed head-to-toe in Green Bay Packers garb, which I guess then didn't do any good because they got hosed. So, uh, anyway. All right. Ladies and gentlemen at the Ministry of Truth, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. In case you're listening, breaking the story first. Just moments ago, as we often break stories first, Fred Thompson has quit the Republican presidential race. It's uh, due to a string of poor finishes. <laughs> So I've been I've been uh, trolling online for sound. It looks like he's not going to face anyone. So he just sent out this uh, brief uh, piece of paper that says he shoved it under the door. Yeah, sorry, I, that's I, all it said. I hope that my country and my party have benefited from uh, the efforts that we've made. Nope. Jerry and I, Jerry, that's his child bride, will always be grateful for the encouragement and friendship of so many wonderful people. So there. <laughs> Did he sign it? So there. No, I didn't. F you. Screw it. Fred. Some other time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, you know, talk he was about, ne- never really into it. He was never into it. And you talk about a guy who just his, his mangled, garbled syntax and poor enunciation. I know that sometimes I get a little hyper and I go when I talk. But, I mean, he would just, and every time Fred Thompson opened his mouth, I would just cringe because I expected just a bunch of hillbilly gibberish to come out. Like, well, in my world, you got to dance with the one that brung you. Or just something like that. It doesn't make and any the sense. the very side of him, he's just a walking advertisement for the need for Botox. <laughs> and liposuction. And a bag. <laughs> and blinders. And fire. All right, here's Tim Riley. Now, the other big story. Dow Jones Industrial Averages dropped. 465 points, and then gain most of it back as the Fed cuts the rates uh, three-quarter of 1%. Yes, the uh, Federal Reserve made this dramatic move to boost the economy. Let's see if it works. Uh, financial person uh, Bill Rogers said the average consumer will benefit from the rate cuts. The Federal Reserve, sensing that there was an opening panic that was going on, cut interest rates in the hopes that if they can lower interest rates, then we have cheaper rates for the consumer uh, in terms of mortgages, in terms of auto loans, credit cards, etc. I'm just going to go home and wait for Susie Orman to tell me what to do. She's on Friday night at 2 a.m. <laughs> I, never, I, mean, I never miss Susie. Susie, um, I'm uh, $40,000 in debt. Uh, I make $7 an hour at a toothpaste factory. Can I buy a boat? No, you are rejected. <laughs> that's my that's my favorite show to watch here in the weekend. Yep. Uh, no, I did. She's Laura, a smart lady. Laura and I sit on the uh, Laura and I sit on the couch together like nerds and watch the Susie Orman show. And the thing so. about Susie is she's very thrifty. You go to her website, there's nothing for free. No. They'll direct you to her latest book. You go to the bookstore, never on sale. Nope. Nope. No. Nope. Pay full price. No, she uh, she she walks the talk. Yep. Yeah, she is money oriented, as they say, or orientated. And she's a rich lady. Yes, yeah, she is. She was even on that home shopping uh, channel. Selling these things, they were... Uh, was it her books or her DVDs or something? No, or seminars? This, was, this was the, uh, in case somebody steals your identity thing. Really? She's great. She's cornered the market, though. Sure. Um, she really is wonderful. There's the, She does, but if you don't know Susie Orman, she does this. Is it on MSNBC? CNBC? CNBC. She does this financial advice show, and the target audience, I think, is presumably women. Strong enough for, but I made for a woman, but Rick likes it, too. Um, and she does this great segment at the end called Can I Buy It? And it's where people call up. 
and they want to buy something. They go, well, I want to buy a new MacBook, and she'll go, how much do you make? What are your debts? What are you? And you lay it all and out. You see it right in front. Yeah, of you. and she yeah. lists it out on the screen your financial situation, and then you li- you tell her what you want to buy, and then she either she tells you either yes or no that y- you know you can't buy it or you can buy it. It's pretty great actually. It's a good gimmick. I wish I thought of that. Yeah. And she has all this stuff lined up, and you think it's spontaneous, but... Oh, no. No. She does it the click and clack way. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the what's it, we'll the Tavid Brothers? Yeah, where you call. Like, if you hear those... Um, well, you go on your website, and if you want to be on, you can uh, fill in your information. And, and then they call you, you, and they yeah. pre-tape it or whatever, yeah. But that's a great show. I was, you don't know anything about money or life. I was, it's, again, not to be uh, pimping the competition, but everybody sort of knows about the, you know, the, the, the car, the click-clack car guys. Yeah. Um, you know, and I always used to wonder how... Like those calls were so tight, like how how the how the production was so polished, and how they would know everything about the call. And I never realized that when you call that number, if you want to talk about cars, call on number. And then you would call, and you just leave your name and number. And then a producer calls you back later in the week, and they tape your segment. And it's edited so slickly yeah. that you think it's going on before your ears. In this, yeah, it's not live at all. It's all completely pre-taped in the can, whatever. Not like this. This is live radio without a net. Yep. Uh, anyway, this uh, financial person named Bill said the 500-point downtown, uh, downturn in the stock market is nowhere near the record reached when the stock market crashed back in 1987. The last stock market crash that we had, the markets were down 500 points, but on a percentage basis, if we were to equal the crash of 87, it would have been 2,700 points. So the cost of money being this cheap has served as a brace, I think, to the marketplace. Really? Is this what they're clinging to, that it's not as bad as it was 30 years ago, this 20 years ago, like whatever? sounds like the voice of Radio Moscow. The stock market crash that we had, the markets were down 500 points, but on a percentage basis, if we were to equal the crash of 87, it would have been 2,700 points. Inspectors so will be coming by your being home. being this cheap has served as a brace, I think, to the marketplace. Citizens must have proper identification. Right. Uh, speaking of that... Congratulations to Fidel Castro. He's been re-elected again. Well done, Fidel Castro. Congrats. We Once should send him a box of cigars. President of Cuba. Ninety-five uh, percent of Cuban voters participated <laughs> in the election at gunpoint. <laughs> what, what percentage of the vote did he get? Did they say? It doesn't say here. Please tell me it just uh, says a hundred percent. Ricardo Alicon, the president of the Cuban National Assembly, says he wishes the country's eighty-one-year-old longtime leader all the best. I hope that I am all I heard was successful. You heard all you need to know. <laughs> Please get this bayonet out of my back. What the... I have voiced your propaganda. Now, please tell me where my wife and children are being held. So he, he's no Fred Thompson. He hangs in there. You know what? Going gets right. I, as much as you can say this about a dictatorial, iron-fisted ruler, mm-hmm. I love Fidel Castro. I mean, who the hell would want to be in charge of a place like that anyway? You know what? There's nothing there. And as, as I say, we have the same story about every... How often do they hold elections there? Whenever he feels like it, or this is the first one I know in recent memory. I thought we'd covered one a, a while back. Maybe when they get extra paper. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you do have to admire the fact that the light bulb swinging in the breeze as they're looking for pencils. <laughs> put an X in the square. <laughs> um, when when did the, when did he come to power? When was the revolution? 1959. 59. Yeah. So. I mean, oh, and there's a great documentary on uh, this week on the Biography Channel about the mobsters that all get kicked out of there about that time. Excellent, the uh, the Godfather Two era. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so you figure that's okay. That's what. That's one, 
two, I'm thinking how many presidents, three, four, five, Carter is six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That is ten presidents he's outlasted, if you yeah. count George W. Bush, every one of whom is, you know, we will, we're going to get rid of Fidel Castro. That island prison will be free. Fidel Castro's like, whatever. Ten presidents that guy has outlasted. So it's amazing what you can do when you can kill all your opponents with a tank. Yeah, so he's done well. All right. We should start doing that. We should start just destroying all who oppose us with, uh, you know, and not like figuratively on the radio, but I mean, you know, with conventional weapons. Which... Uh, That'll be hard, though, because everyone says they hate us, but they all want to be like us. Yeah. It's one of those things. It is an interesting paradox, isn't it? it not? Is. All right. Uh, here's a question for Tim. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. I'm just wondering, based on this recent economic downturn. Is this case, like a can I buy it, Tim? Yes. Uh, well, no, it's actually refinancing. We've been thinking about refinancing, and I'm wondering, should we hold off a few weeks? Is it going to get better? Oh, or wow. Go ahead and do it now. It's, it's not going to get better for a long time. This is freaking right. me out. Are okay. you Ken Dolan now? Oh, yeah, I should be. Huh? So d Tim says stay in your home, hide in your basement. Everything's going to well, be bad for a long th time. This is a great time to buy something. However, if you bought something last year, you end up losing a lot of money. But if you bought something like three years ago, then you're okay. You should be buying now. How long, oh, how long have you been in this, uh, your current residence? <laughs> it was three years in March. Okay. Th then you're pretty much all set. And yeah, you, didn't lose, you didn't lose all that much equity. Now, if you yeah. did this like last year or the year before, why am I doing this? No, it's, go ahead. It's very interesting. No, okay. But, yeah, I, I think you're okay. What percentage rate did you finance it? Uh, yeah. right, right now we're at 6 and an 8, and mm, uh, the mortgage broker high. is working us to 575. Yeah, I would say do it. 6 is too high. Yes, it is. Because there, there are people still refinancing in the 5 range, so I would say go ahead and do it. Okay. And call us back and let us know how it went. Oh, sure. Okay, good luck to you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye now. Wow, I need my own syndicated show. I was just gonna say, I, I smell a weekend show. I know. I can I have this? This really is full service radio when you think about it. This show, and I mean this sincerely, this show really does give you everything you need. I mean, really, no matter what it is, you, and that's not about the glory of any one of us. It's just about the glory of us, you know, and the audience together well, as a collective. About, if you think about the collective failures in this room, <laughs> things to do and not to do, I think you're pretty much coming to the, the right place. We have mm -hmm. kind of learned what mistakes you should try to avoid. Uh, so uh, there you go. All right. That's fantastic. I'm glad I could help. And if maybe you have, uh, you know. I want to sell something on the home shopping channel. <laughs> Uh, all right. As you can see, this is a real nice piece. Uh, you can wear this uh, maybe when you go out at night or, um, you know, really just uh, to the gym or whatever. This will go with most of your... Look at that. Look at the cut of that. Now, we are... You can... Can, it, Tim, can we get a different light on this? You can see. Look at how brilliant that is. This is a temazepine, and uh, that's... Uh, now, you haven't heard of that. That's real valuable, and we only got a limited number of these loose stones. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, what is this, the uh, the Rick Emerson Shopping Channel now? This is the Rick Emerson Whatever You Need It To Be At Any Given Moment channel. Well, attention advertisers. Yes. Um, there is a diesel alert in Newburgh, Oregon, oddly enough. Can I, and really, we say that attention advertisers thing kind of flipply, if that's a word, sometimes. Uh, mm -hmm. I really now would like to uh, take this moment quite, quite legitimately to say attention advertisers, attention anybody who's not advertising currently, attention general sales manager, attention general manager for that matter, that... And I, this really is fantastic, but I think I have to point out exactly how weird and great this is. That 
don't get me wrong. I love Vizo. Vizo's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know that they they are a sponsor, but it doesn't take away from the fact that they are is really really great. Mm-hmm. And think about the fact that. Like, for no discernible benefit to yourself, you are actually taking the time to call a radio program um, to enlighten others as to where they might find uh, one of the sponsors of our program, where you can find their product. I don't think people really appreciate how great that is. Well, that is correct, and it's also very tasty, and it's made right here in Portland, Oregon. I mean, what what other few products can you say, you know, is like hometown stuff that is awfully darn good? Just us. So... Anywho, uh, yes, Nat's Thriftway in Newburgh, uh, right by the hot deli. You walk by, they have a great big display. It's in the cooler. It's uh, on the shelf down below. Excellent. So many tasty flavors, more of everything good. Thank you, sir. Outstanding. Thank you, sir. Wonderful. All right. Really, that's all the testimonial we need. Really, why you ought to be advertising here. Here's Tim Riley. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen next. Well, look who's getting laid off. Some people at Yahoo... Now, I hope it's not at the Yahoo that's close to my house, which is right behind Intel. Oh, oh yeah, we have, a, we have some listeners who work there. Yeah, well, that's my neighborhood. Uh, but it, it doesn't mention if they're going to get laid off there. Some of the executives have spread the country thin, according to people in the know. That's what Yahoo is. It's a place to go to find out stuff. Google, for the most part, is just search. Yeah, they've got some other properties, but what's making them the money is their search engine and how that's connected back to ad dollars. Now, I'm a proud user of Yahoo. I use uh, I use Yahoo Mail, Yahoo... Uh, I'm a proud user my... of Gmail, and it is the most amazing Internet, um, like, place I've ever that used. That would be it. Google, wouldn't it? I have, yeah, I have Gmail. Gmail. Yeah, Gmail is Google, and it's amazing. You can search through your own personal emails. Like, they have this private search engine for your own email, so you can find something like, oh, Bob wrote me one day. And I have a Gmail Bob. account, too, and it's actually it's really good. You know, the one, the one great, as much as I love Yahoo... The one place where Gmail really outstrips Yahoo is in their spam filtering. Uh, the Gmail spam filter is really, really good. Uh, I use Yahoo and will continue. This is only because I've been using it forever, and I don't want to be that guy like, I have a new email address. Because when, you, when, you, when you get an email from somebody saying, hey, everybody, just so you know, I've changed my email address. Mm-hmm. And you just delete it. You never update your address book. You, you, you kind of look at it and you go, oh, that's interesting, delete. And then the next time you go to email them, you can't remember where the hell they're at, and you have to search for that email. So I'm never going to change my email address just because I can't. Um, but Gmail does have an, an exceptional spam filter. Can I complain about something for a moment? Sure. For sure, sure. I cannot be stopped. <laughs> this just in, Rick Emerson re-elected by 95% of the, of the population. Um, uh, but, you know, we use the Microsoft Outlook here uh, for our CBS uh, mail. Uh, yeah. Boy, how badly does that suck? How how much does that program just eat it? It is oh, yeah. the worst thing ever. It's it's terrible. The Windows thing. But you know what I don't understand? Like, it, it, just on one specific feature. Here's something I don't understand. And Gmail and Yahoo Mail both have this. The Yahoo Mail, same thing. If I need to search for something, like if I need to search for whatever, an email about the viso or sweeney todd or something uh go into my email uh there's a little blank you know it says search mail i type in viso you know whatever viso zoo pants if that's what i'm looking for hit search bam it immediately brings up every email sent received filed forwarded whatever any email that has those search terms in it gmail will do the same thing mm-hmm. instantly like i press it bam there it is when you go to search for something microsoft outlook i had to do it this morning as a matter of fact i had to search for some, I think it might have been about that streaming stuff, actually. Mm-hmm. So I go and I did the, the search box in my Microsoft Outlook, which Microsoft is like a jillion-dollar company. It's the most widely used email program in the world. I go and I type in, like, you know, AM970, streaming. 
and I hit search, and I swear to you, it's like I could get up, go make a cup of coffee, use the bathroom, come downstairs, Xerox some things, go back up, and and it's still not done searching my yeah. email. It, it is the Model T of the email world. <sighs> just makes no sense. It's just the worst program. And, of course, we are required to use it here. So, thanks. That's good enough for Walter Cronkite. Good enough for you. you know, someone sends you like a one megabyte sound file, then it fills your entire inbox. You have to oh, go man. through and tediously delete like hundreds of emails in order to send out one email response. I have back. the. And by the way, we should say we're not blaming the CBS IT department for this because our our IT guys, our tech guys, our engineers here are really are exceptional. I'm yeah. not just Apple polishing. They really are wonderful. This is obviously it's a much higher level. But I, you know, I have the, the, whatever, you know, like the Blackberry, so I get, you know, my CBS mail sent to me. And, man, probably twice a day I get that your email box is completely, you must start deleting things. You won't get any email until you delete everything. And, I mean, there's a, I believe there is, in fact, a three megabyte limit on what you can have in your CBS email folder. Mm -hmm. Do you realize for Yahoo, which I pay nothing for, I can have a gigabyte of storage. In fact, it's not even a gig. It's now unlimited. And I think same thing with Yahoo. It is now unlimited. I can have nine terabytes of information on my Yahoo account. CBS, I, three megs. And done. then I had 6,344 megabytes of storage Jesus. in Gmail. All right, I'm going to quit bitching. Here's Tim Riley. Well, the man accused of digging a grave in the woods will stay in jail for now until they figure out what was he digging it for. Now, this just happened today. This ruling came down from a judge. We told you about this. A listener uh, originally alerted us to this. They had found 63-year-old Ronald Carroll digging what looked like a fresh grave in northwest Washington County. Call 911. Held a guy at gunpoint. And police are looking for a possible victim. So far, they haven't found anybody. The judge calls it an unusual case, and he has set a release hearing for next week. Uh, deputies said the, uh, he was traveling along the road in North Plains when this guy found him and his vehicle at the gateway of the property. The guy gets out of his car, tries to drive away, but gets stuck in the mud. So they're still checking the area, and uh, they well, they found the freshly dug hole about six feet long and about three feet deep. Please tell me the story said they have grave concerns. They have grave concerns. And this is the guy who said he was digging for uh, volcanic ash from Mount St. Helens. Uh -huh. You think he could buy it in a souvenir shop? I was going to say, you think he could just go to any place around here and buy like a soap dish or something <laughs> made out of that? It is believed that he is a handyman. Uh, and Handyman! They're trying to find if he has any friends who are missing. Or any friends at all. <laughs> Interests include digging graves. Mm -hmm. So he stays in jail for now. Until they find something or somebody. Yeah. A uh, senior citizen is credited with stopping a robbery in the Salem Donut Shop. Larry Chadester, who's uh, 74, is a regular customer at Salem Dunkin' Donuts. He was sitting around his usual table at 4.20 in the morning on Sunday. You can tell he's retired. 4.20 in the morning, he's already out at the where? donut shop. Dunkin' Donuts. But, I mean, where? Salem. First of all, is Dunkin' Donuts, well, they must be open 24 hours. Yeah, Dunkin' Donuts everywhere are open 24 hours. That's so great. You know, the first 24-hour place. It started to go away. I'm really sad about that, actually. And I don't even like donuts, but I'm, I'm kind of bummed out that Dunkin' Donuts is vanishing. Kind of, uh... They're over in the East Coast everywhere. <sighs> they are the Starbucks of these. Being replaced by Starbucks and bagel shops. Oh, that's I think, it, uh, I feel like there ought to be room for all of those things in, in this America of ours. So, uh, Larry was sitting around his usual table at 4.20 at Dunkin' Donuts. Ooh. When two teenagers walked in, and you know there's trouble brewing, he said he's been coming there for some 30 years, and he feels like it's his home. Well, he's a former Multnomah County Sheriff's deputy. He wrestled the teens for 25 minutes until police arrived. Apparently, they uh, had grabbed six donuts and tried to make a run for it. Six whole donuts. So the teens are 14 and 16, and he wrestled with them for 25 minutes until the cops got there. Don't ask me why it took so long for them to get there. The uh, teens went arrested in charge with uh, possession of donuts and a curfew violation. 
And one of the teens also charged with robbery and assault. Oh. I thought it was just donuts and curfew. And then well, you... because they were pushing Larry around. I say, well, you don't want to do that. Larry will mess you up. And, and never mess with senior citizens at their donut shops. Oh, no. God, no. That's why they get up every morning. Especially because it's like senior citizens who are walking around the perimeter of a mall. You know what I mean? You don't yeah. want to cross them. Beat you senseless, man. <laughs> so I uh, thank goodness that uh, Salem Tech Donuts says Larry's sitting around. Yes. Uh, attention all you people who want to have babies. Portland is the place to do it. Uh, magazine uh, cites Oregon's low infant and mortality rates as the place to have a baby. They're 44 percent uh, less likely than the national average to be uh, born below the normal weight. Well, I would say that would be accurate. People here are above <laughs> the, the I, average weight. I was just going to say, there's Starting really from birth. There's, there's no one here who's below the average weight. Uh, 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 Portland gets high marks of breastfeeding. It's all the rage here. Sarah. And the magazine concludes that 88% of the city's mothers, uh, let's see, try it. Try breastfeeding. And the uh, national average is 75%. It's a weird statement. I mean, really? You, have you tried breastfeeding? What do you mean, just like... It's, well, it's a Portland thing. All right. 88% of mothers breastfeed in Portland. Lisa as opposed to 75% on the national average. Well, I mean, that, I mean, yeah. And kids here are beefier than elsewhere. Beefier? Does it really say that? No. Or is that your editorial? <laughs> well, who knows? Well, with that story the other day about kids screwing around or That's whatever. That's why I can't find trousers with a 31 waist in this town. All made for the husky gentleman. You can't find a 31? I finally did. Well, here's the thing about a 31 waist, because that's my waist size, too. It's an odd... Uh, it, especially because me, I got this thing where I'm a 31-32, which oh. is like insane. I I'm guess a, I'm a 31-29. See, I'll oh, see. That's got to be even weirder though. That's got to be even harder to find. Well, all my pants have to be shortened anyway. And it's like if you like, they sell a lot of like 30-32 and like 32-32. 31-32 is just impossible to locate. 34 to 44, there are stacks oh, of them. That exactly. And I'm not ashamed to admit this that I'll occasionally go to the Marshalls. And they, like I had to buy some uh, some slacks um, for um, for my Halloween costume of all things. But I had to go there and I had to buy some black pants. And you're right, man. And man, if you're like a big fat bastard, there's just racks and racks of clothing for you. If you have anything remotely resembling a normal waist, you are screwed. Uh, or you have to or this. How about how often does this happen to you? Where you go to the store, like you go to like uh, you know whatever, just like a like a the Gap or whatever. And and there's the big wall of blue jeans. And you'll go up and you go, well, let's see, I've got the, uh, okay, if I can just, here's the style I want, and here's the straight cut or whatever it is, and okay, here's the, well, no, there doesn't seem to be, sir, and then you try to get help, and they come over, and they do that stupid thing that, thing that makes me angry every time anybody does it, where you look for the item, it's clearly not there. You say, hey, uh, what about this item you don't have? And what do they do? They just come over and they look like, it, as though you're a retard. They come over and they just look exactly where you just looked. You're like, hello, ass, I just looked. It's not there. Um, as though there's like some secret, like Wonder Woman invisible panel that like you have to, that they only, you know, they have to open for you. And then they say the world's worst thing to you. They say, well, uh, sorry, sir, it doesn't look like we have your size, but uh, you can always buy these online. Because I just, the idea of buying any, like, I'll buy shoes online at this point, but the idea of buying pants online, that just seems like a losing proposition. Because cause sizes like are not... buying pants out of Parade magazine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I never thought that, and I don't think I'd ever anticipated that phrase being used ever Seriously. by anybody. It's like buying <laughs> pants out of Parade magazine. 
Somebody out there has purchased pants on parade. I was just going to say that statement almost implies that you've done it because you you have you're, you're okay, using it. How ridiculous is this? <laughs> <laughs> really, how ridiculous is this? I have to send away your disgusting envelope. <laughs> I'm sorry, these uh these Hager slacks just aren't cutting it. I where's my parade magazine? Where's my family circle monthly? I don't even know what I was talking about. Oh anyway, yeah, blah blah I, blah. I, blah. I, I, I found two uh, pairs of slacks at Macy's with thirty one away downtown of all places. Really? Those had just opened. Yeah, the new boring Macy's. Yeah, it's all white walls. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, as long as they have so, I just you know, it's like if I either lose more weight or gain more weight. They'll have all the pants I need. As long as I stay at my current waist size, mm -hmm. I am screwed. So I either got to start not eating at all or just eating a lot of lard. Well, get used to it. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, apparently, a Portland woman is accused of stabbing her Gresham husband. Uh, Gresham police arrested a 26-year-old Shaylee Coleman after spotting her running not far from where 26-year-old James Braxton was found stabbed. Uh, Braxton told officers his wife stabbed him repeatedly after an argument. He underwent surgery last night at Manual. Hmm, should we enlarge the drug-free zone in Gresham, the city fathers and mothers ponder? With recent cases of violence near uh, Trimet's Gresham Max line in recent memory, many residents are taking a fresh look about the possible expansion of the city's drug-free zones. I don't even know what that means. It means you're not allowed to use drugs in certain areas. But I mean, okay. It's one of those stupid laws like no smoking on the platform. But you're not allowed... Okay. Does uh, that mean you're allowed to use drugs in the rest of Gresham? Yes. One resident who attended said he wants to see it extended because of drug problems around the two max stations in the neighborhood. Oh. The, the drug-free zone will include an area around 162nd Avenue and East Burnside. Okay. Um, we should probably take a break here. We have more max violence to talk about. Fantastic. I mean, terrible. Or whatever. I don't know. Whatever's right. Uh, back after this, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. I hold here in my hands... Exciting Cloverfield news for Sarah. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. A little bit of Star Trek casting news. Uh, I'll print this out here. Uh, hey, uh, Richie Bristol, can you uh, go to Becca's printer and fetch this Star Trek news that I'm printing out here? I know that I sound like a big nerd. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Oh, so anyway, uh, oh, trying to forget to tell us about this little incident. Apparently it happened around uh, 6.30 p.m., a couple days ago on a max train near Burnside 122nd. A fight broke up between two gangs. Uh, one of them ended up needing stitches, and the other was just bruised. Uh, police said both groups are drunk, and the victim refuses to talk about what happened. Of course, because you don't want to be snitching and stuff. We don't want to bring in the man. Oh, of course. The, 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 the fuzz. The heat. Johnny Law. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, though Oregon has one of the nation's most generous sick child leave laws, many parents are taking advantage of it. Under the Oregon Family Leave Act, parents may stay home with a sick child unpaid without losing their job. Well, that sounds terrific. 
Beginning January 1st, eligible workers can use their paid sick leave for family leave, including the care of a sick child. Let's all have babies. But many parents simply can't afford to lose a day's pay and afraid to be seen as a problem employee. Well, that does make sense. All right. Imagine... Uh, never mind. I'm not even going to talk about it. Never mind. Go ahead. Uh, a man who uh, pleaded into stealing 93 pounds of women's undergarments in Pullman has been sentenced to 45 days in jail. 24-year-old Garth Flaherty may serve 30 days of his term in community service. Women's underwear from Pullman. Another mm-hmm. one? Sarah, mm-hmm. when was this? When did this happen, Tim? Tell me it was like six years ago. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm looking here. He was arrested March 24th of last year after police oh. received a report of a man hanging out in an apartment complex laundry room. Uh, they found enough underwear to fill five garbage bags in his bedroom. Well done, sir. He previously received 12 reports of uh, panty thefts in the northwest part of Pullman. The part of Pullman where Washington State University is located... Yes. ...is charged with first-degree uh, theft and 12 counts of burglary in the stealing of 1,613 pairs of panties, brassieres, and other women's underwear from laundry rooms. The weird thing is, and I don't mean to be crude, it's strange that he would be... Stealing them out of the laundry rooms where they are supposedly clean. You figure if you're a pervert, you would steal them like worn or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, don't you remember the other guy who was there the panty, while the while I was there? No, wait, is that Sin Kum Sin Kum Cool? Yes. Come cool mm-hmm. Whatever his name was. Yeah. Was that guy there? I thought he was in Portland for some reason. No, he was at WSU. Ah, yeah, that's yeah that. I don't know what is it about the. Never mind. I'm just seriously. What is what is it about women at WSU and their underwear? Is there like a better class of underwear or something there? I, all right, here's Tim Riley. A uh, Sacagawea statue has been stolen from Fort Ketchup. Or is it Clatsop? Uh, police are investigating the theft of the five-foot-tall bronze statue of Sacagawea and her baby. It disappeared Saturday night or early Sunday and had been cut off with mounting blocks. The value of the statue installed and dedicated is not known. Who steals this? St- what are you going to do with the statue of Sacagawea? Where are you going to put that? That's a good question. You can put it in your yard next to the birdbath. Mm-hmm. All right. So our uh, reward is being offered by a private concern. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Emerson, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm not that bad today, am I? All right, what's up, sir? Ah, uh, whatever. Anyways, listening to uh, you talking about uh, marshals where you get huge stuff. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know, I think I'm probably about as big as both you and Tim put together. Um, uh, I have to gone there. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't yes. know about the waste, but as far as terms of math and weight and all that. <laughs> but I have gone to Marshall's and have tried, like, a, a warm-up suit, and it just <laughs> fell right off. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Let's all stop to picture that. Wow. Uh, just, no, that wasn't my intention. Trust me, I don't want anybody scarred for life and ripping their eyes out and all that. Uh, yes, all right, thank you. Bye now. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, so, Rick, I want to go back real quick to the uh, Gresham drug-free zone. Yes. So I was uh, I was actually chair of a, my community association for several years, a thankless and payless job. Uh, why, why didn't you just move? I was just going to say, a community association in Gresham? No, 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 in, in Portland, in the oh, city okay. of Portland. Okay, I was just going to say, why? Like, you could have been using that time to get a U-Haul. <laughs> no, but they had a uh, drug-free zone that was slated to be in our neighborhood. And we told them to, to take it and shove it. But, I mean, and, what does that even mean? I don't understand what that means. Well, here's why we told them to shove it, because the cop can actually ex- ask someone and force someone to leave the drug-free zone upon just suspicion of drug activity. Oh, I see. And, and then if you, which means, i.e., anyone for any reason. Sure. And then if you actually have been convicted of drug possession, 
um, or any other drug-related charge, then they actually can arrest you just for being in the drug-free zone if you are not moving. Oh, I see. Stop. So if like you have, can ride the bus through, but if you get off the bus, so if you have like a previous conviction or something for smoking crack, and you you're you're stopping and hanging out of the drug-free zone, they can throw you in the clink for it. Yeah, and if you live in a drug-free zone and you have a drug conviction, you're not allowed to step onto the sidewalk unless you're moving. Okay. Well, there you go. Well done in voting it down, then, sir. Yeah, they Thank couldn't you. believe it. They're like, what? You're the first people to ever tell us to not do it. That's good that we're not throwing all of our tax dollars down a big rat hole. Uh, all right, thank you. Bye now. Well, that's just absurd. Here's Tim Riley. Now, this uh, weather has uh, caused two water mains to break. One happened at Southeast 43rd Avenue and Southeast St. Martin's. The oh. other at the intersection of... <laughs> Sarah and I are just like looking at each other like a dope. The other uh, in the suburbs at Southwest Canyon Road and Southwest 102nd Avenue. Well, that matters less to me. Well, it matters to people uh, on the west side. I don't know where St. Martin's is. Where is St. Martin's Road at? It says uh, Southeast 43rd Avenue. You probably know where that is. Yeah. And Southeast Martin Street. So where somewhere, is it? I don't know. Sarah, do you know where Martin Street is? I don't know. It must far. be down near like Woodstock. I wonder if that affects me. Further south. Probably. That's what, I get for, that's what I get for not caring about the suburbs moments ago. It's news that affects you. I uh, I am happy to report, by the way, that uh, my uh, my heating in my house is once again on. I went home yesterday after the show. I felt so bad. I'd put Max in a sweater uh, and then put him on like a little electric blanket. And I told him, like, stay on the blanket. <laughs> stay on the blanket while I'm at work. Don't get off the blanket. And I came home and, like like an idiot, he was off the blanket. And then she you know, stood looking up, looking up at me with that, like, it's so cold kind of look. Um, so everything is once back is back to normal in our house once again. So yeah, here's Tim Ryan. That is a good thing. Well, here's the Pentagon at work. They have expressed confidence in a new generation of armored vehicles in the wake of the first fatality suffered by a soldier riding in one of the trucks. This fatality occurred when a deeply buried bomb exploded under one of the trucks in Baghdad's outskirts. One soldier died and three were wounded from this explosion, but the Pentagon says, as Defense Secretary Robert Gates says, quote, they are more convinced than ever that these vehicles save lives. This after one person's killed and three others are wounded. The Pentagon spokesman said commanders believe the three wounded soldiers would not have escaped life-threatening injuries if it wasn't for the heavy armor protecting the vehicle. theoretical life-saving. Well, that and they already ordered 1,500 of these. So, they, so they're obliged to, uh, they don't want to, even if they have buyer's remorse, you are obliged to justify. Yes. Buy with emotion, justify with logic, as the sales department says. Uh, let's see, just as a, uh, as a side note here real quick. Are we doing a Geek Watch? Here we are, yeah. Let's do that now, then. Here's your Geek Watch for Tuesday. <laughs> High-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, remember, you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now just listen, on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. You know, one of these days, uh, we'll do some contest with the Geek Watch open and close where we can see if everybody can list every single thing that is happening in there and from whence it derives. Uh, that day is not the day. Although we have just another whole other pile of stuff to give away. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying contesting is my weak spot. And uh, we got so much to give away. I still got copies of Jackass 2.5 to give away. These copies of the 10 on DVD to give away. I think we've got upcoming copies of Michael Clayton on DVD, the George Clooney film, which is really very good to give away. I got Rose City Rollers tickets to give away all week. To, that I got already a day behind on that. And then we're giving away this trip for two to see. Oh, really? 
And Richie just, I swear to you, okay, hold on. We're giving away tickets for two to spam a lot at the Wynn in Las Vegas, including hotel and airfare. Find out more at 970.am. And then Richie just brought in this. Apparently we have ten copies of Walt Disney's, always a good start to a giveaway, Walt Disney's The Game Plan, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And a small child. And a small child in a pink ballet dress. When did that come out? What is it? I don't know. Well, you know what it is, Tim? What? According to Roseanne Rogers of NBC TV in Houston. <laughs> no. It is... <laughs> No, no, no. You're making fun We're of him. We're very excited, Rick. Please continue. You're ridiculing a movie that is, in her assessment, a touchdown for the entire family. Oh. Wow, there's a feature-length commentary. And bloopers with Marv Albert. <laughs> Watch as I bite the shoulder. Marv Albert is still alive? Yeah. Isn't that the... What was his catchphrase? What does Marv Albert say? Does he say, wow, or hey, or... The powers Ooh. of... Who? <laughs> I don't think he says that. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Here's your geek watch. Well, the official uh, film site for Paramount's new Star Wars movie opening Christmas 2008 launched late last night. The movie's teaser trailer debuts with Bradley's release of Cloverfield, but a source has informed uh, another website that it will debut online next Monday. It looks really cool, man. I got to tell you that I, I'm, and I'm not like the big, the world's biggest Star Trek. I'm a casual Star Trek fan, but I saw the teaser trailer before Cloverfield, and it was really cool. Oh yeah, I have it online on my website. Yeah, because you just hear Nemo going, "Space, the final. I'm really mm. old. The final frontier." And then they do the pullback, and you see the Enterprise, and none of that dash A business. It's like the real old school Enterprise. I mean, it really was cool. Uh, so the cast is listed in alphabetical order. Uh, Margaret Cho. Oh, no, I'm sorry. John Cho. No, don't ever say that. John <laughs> Cho. Jesus. Um, Margaret Cho as the shrill one. Uh, okay, let's just do these in... Uh, we'll do these one at a time. Okay, who? John Cho. As uh, Sulu. Doesn't say. Uh, yeah, as... Well, presumably... <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining that's the case. Um, so, yeah, John Cho as Sulu, okay? Ben Cross. Uh, as whom? Do we know um, who's Ben, ben Cross? Cross? Do you know who Ben Cross is? Um, I've only got a partial um, cast list over here. There's only uh, the only one I know is the guy from Heroes. I don't know his real name though, but he's playing Spock. Oh, that's um, that's what's his guts? That's um, uh, 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 Zachary. Uh, is that Zachary Quinto or something? Yes. Okay. Like yeah. That. All right. So we've got um, Zachary Quinto as uh, Spock. What's his name? It's Kirk. Uh, let's see. Bruce um, Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood as who? Doesn't say. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up. Bruce Greenwood was the guy from John of Philadelphia or whatever that show is, and he was also Doctor Seth, uh, something on Saint Elsewhere back in the day. Uh, and he was also Bruce Greenwood also played JFK in that movie Thirteen Days that came out a couple years he ago. He plays Christopher Pike. Really? I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Beep. Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg from Shaun of the Dead and Re and Hot Fuzz. He's he plays Scotty. Okay, excellent. I'm with that. I can see that. Chris Pine. Uh, Chris Pine is is Kirk. Kirk. Right. Zachary Quinto. Spock. Winona Ryder. What? Who is she? Is she Spock's mom? Does it say? Amanda Grayson. Is that Spock's mother? I'm not familiar God, with I'm not a big enough... I'm not a big... <laughs> That's when Spock is joining the Starfleet again. Mother's maiden name. Um, last four, your social, sir. Uh, the uh, I'm just not a big enough Star Trek nerd to know all this stuff. Um, and then, who is the... Is this guy playing Chekhov? Okay, i got to work backward here. 
There is this trailer that has been uh, that I've seen now for a couple different films. This trailer was before Charlie Wilson's War. Mm. Do you ever see a trailer that sticks out like as the one that doesn't belong? So at Charlie Wilson's War, which is an Aaron Sorkin film, which you really ought to see, the trailers are all these like other smart, sophisticated films, many of them like foreign films and you know art house films and stuff. And then there's one trailer before Charlie Wilson's War, which was also before Cloverfield, which I will see because it looks like a teen comedy with heart. Uh, was this movie called? I don't remember the name of it. It's called Charlie Binklestick or something. And it's 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 about like some high school kid who becomes a shrink for all of the other high school kids. Did you see that trailer, Sarah? Before Cloverfield? Oh, I'm sorry. What? It was a trailer before Cloverfield where it was about a high school kid. Sort of a Max Fisher type who becomes a de facto shrink for all the other high school kids. I didn't see that. It was I when I would see tra- uh, Cloverfield. Where did, you, where did you see Cloverfield? Downtown. Oh, I saw it at Eastport. It looks pretty good. It looks like it. You know, I try not to become jaded about things as I get older. I try not to be one of those movies now suck. When I was a kid, we had Breakfast Club, and everything else is stupid now. It looks like a pretty great teen teen film. Uh, it's about a kid from a prep school who gets kicked out, has to go to public school. And he's like a brainiac. So exactly, Max Fisher. Sort of, but less quirky. But he, the, the the gimmick is that he becomes a shrink for all of the high school kids who won't go to the high school shrink because the high school shrink is always creepy. And so he becomes. So he's like. And so he, you know. Anyway, so he becomes like their 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 shrink for all of these like nutcase kids at the high school. It's got Robert Downey Jr. It actually looks pretty good. But the but the kid who plays him, I think, is Chekhov. Anyway, I'm sorry. Zoe Saldana. Yeah, I got nothing. Carl Urban. Nope. No, I have nothing. Let me see if I have it. He's, uh... Oh, he's Leonard Bones McCoy. So, let me understand Bones. this. A guy named Urban is playing a white man. Yes. That's pretty great. Okay. Anton Lechen. No idea. He's Pavel Chekhov. Okay. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy from this uh, this this new teen film, yeah. Eric Bandana. Or Banna. Banya. Banya? Banyo? Banyo? Eric Banyo. Banna. Banna. He's Nero. I don't even know what we're talking about. He's the he's the Hulk, I think. Leonard Nimoy, as oh as 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 Spock, <laughs> I would imagine. All right, or maybe Leonard he's playing Spocks? his own father. Maybe the two Spocks. No, he's playing Spock. Okay, so maybe How is that possible? Well, maybe it's like a Titanic thing where there's uh, there's old Rose and young Rose. Maybe there's old Spock. And well, young I would Spock. imagine the old years, but the current years anyway. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, speaking of Star Trek. Uh, they were on hand last night for the L.A. premiere of the Adams-produced Cloverfield. Oh, and by the way, it was such a disjointed geek watch. Uh, so this is, let's see, uh, this is uh, largely for Sarah, myself, and the folks who've seen Cloverfield. Hey, I guess this is breaking news. Hasbro announced they have the license to create an action figure of the Cloverfield monster. And then he sends us the link to figures.com. It'll be 14 inches tall with 70 points of articulation. It comes with ten of those freaky spider-looking creatures, two different interchangeable heads, and best part of this Cloverfield action figure, which two I will inter- buy. Interchangeable heads? Well, one with the mouth open and one closed, okay. I would imagine. And one, because it's, remember, those ear things inflate? Yeah. Um, and the best part, it comes with the Statue of Liberty head. That's I'm totally cool. buying that. All right, do we have more geek news, or is that it? That's it. Screw that. That's yeah. your geek watch for uh, whatever today. <laughs> Who's that? Star's Hammer. By the Sons of Warband. I shall avenge you. Next. Loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous well, mix. See what these people have to say on KCMD Portland. Hello, sir. Hey, how you doing? What's up? Hey, uh, uh, you kind of scared the crap out of me there for the for the uh, the beginning of that uh, geek watch because Tim actually said Star Wars. Did you? Did you say Star Wars? At yeah, the very Wars. first, he said uh, about the, the revealing the, the, the filming site. 
Well, they are going to be doing another Star Wars television series, I think. I think oh, Luke... thank God. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm like one of the biggest Star Wars geeks out there. That's why I heard it. My ears pricked up like a wolf. So you really are excited uh, at the prospect of George Lucas further defiling his greatest creation. Well, you know, I love the books, so maybe they'll just, uh, you know, stick with the books. Maybe like an, ex crap. like an extended universe thing? Yeah. yeah. And uh, another question. Yeah. Um, you were saying that uh, 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 Portland has been voted like the most uh, desirable place to have a baby? I guess. I don't know if that yeah. means they're the, the most fertile. I think it's that, like, babies live more here than elsewhere. Well, people I, have, have a little bit more meat on their bones. Yes. Well, what I was wondering people is... Substance. What I was wondering is if that's if, if that would excite all of these Vancouver baby makers to move over the river so that well, the Portland uh, non-baby makers would come over here. Are you hoping for some sort of a balancing out where Portlanders come to your city? Yes. Where the Vancouver people start coming over here like rats over a wharf? Yeah, rats is a good term. That's yeah. a great analogy. Well, let's hope that's not the case. I'd hate to have to put up some sort of fortified defense around the city. <laughs> I don't think so. Not to have those new parking meters. <laughs> not within three twenty minutes of parking. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Yep. Bye. All right. So funny. Look, I'm no one to throw stones, but when we pointed out that Lucas is going to be doing a TV show about Star Wars, like I said, oh, thank God. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Tim, Sarah. What's up? Hello. And Tim. Yeah, I, I okay. Him. All right. Hey, uh, so I caught that that uh, that Star Trek trailer. That's just so exciting. You know, I mean, just it like was whole, pretty cool. Yeah. The whole like the guy welding the the hull of the ship and everything. Yeah. Yep. What I was gonna What I was gonna ask you is, did any of you ever catch uh, that series that was only, I think it was only three seasons long with Scott Bakula, the Enterprise? Series? Oh no! You know, like like a lot of people, I watched the first two episodes. And as soon as I heard that Diane Warren theme song, I was just like, F this show. And I and I know that that's a shallow thing to do, but that opening credit sequence and that song, and I gave it like two weeks of my life, and I was like, screw this, I'm never watching this again. Hey, uh, you know it's worse than that, though? In the, in the third season, and I don't know what they were thinking, but they they, that they used the same song, but they gave it a country twang. <laughs> really? So yeah. it was like Toby Keith sings Diane Warren's, you know, whatever. Well, no, it was the same guy. It was the same guy singing. But he didn't have a. It was the music behind it had well, a country twang. You know, well, here's the, and what's what made that so bad is that they were clearly ripping off that "I Don't Want to Miss a Thing" by Aerosmith from Armageddon, uh, which was written by the same woman, Diane Warren, who wrote that "I Don't Want to Miss a Thing" song. Also wrote that terrible song for Enterprise, and yeah. "I Don't Want to Miss a Thing" by Aerosmith also had a country version that they played. I think they played a couple. Um, that uh, there is a country version of that terrible Armageddon song, so it doesn't surprise me that they tried a country version of the Enterprise song. Oh, that's so terrible. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, but you know, you know that. I mean, that that uh was actually a pretty good show. I mean, like you know, because the first season was kind of the whole exploration thing, but then you know they they kind of threw in an element, kind of sort of like like a futuristic 9/11 sort of situation in the second season and is that how they really pitched is. it look it's uh it's like that's like that's the new diehard on a bus it's like 9-11 in space come yeah. on yeah but i mean it, i mean I'll, give me a honestly, green light honestly i mean the, the series got pretty good i i thought it did anyway please don't anyway, be offended like, when i say i'm just gonna have to take your word for that i think you should oh, well done <laughs> and done sir hey um also i liked your uh christopher pike beep oh uh, well it's 
Really, there's only one joke you do with Christopher, just over and over. I mean, I really don't have an actual beep on my computer, uh, or I would have done that, but it's the best I could do in a pinch. I'm glad you caught it. Now, 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 what was it like? One beep is yes and two beeps is no, or I don't know how that worked. I believe so. Uh, only Aaron knows for sure. Thanks. Thank you. All right, there you go. Sorry, Sam, I can see your eyes glazing over during that. All right. These things get a little deep after a while. They could have their own show. Yes, they, yes, they could. The uh, the uh, something or other. We were on if we were on uh, like Sirius or something satellite, the three hours Channel one thirty three B. The three hours before the show uh, would just be Aaron and Scott and like Seamus sitting in a room talking about Marina Sirtis, and then like four hours after the show would just be like uh you know it it would be like uh, uh you know like like Diana and uh you know like Jesse from Red Hot Pistol sitting and uh, disseminating and discussing everything that happened on today's program. Here's Tim Riley. Well, let's check in in Gresham and see what's going on there. We haven't checked in a few minutes. Uh, police are cracking down on violence at the local roller skating rink. Uh, several fights have broken out at the Gresham Skate World on Northeast <laughs> Kelly Avenue. <laughs> all, <laughs> all involving teenagers. I don't know and the so sign funny. inside says, skate at your own risk. <laughs> <laughs> the sign on the wall says, skate at your own risk. <laughs> I don't know why the, the Gresham Skate World is so funny. <laughs> I think skating rinks are hilarious. I don't know why. Not the ice skating. Do they have a skating rink that you... Well, if it can't be people on foot, put on your roller skates and give that a try. <laughs> on roller skating gangs coming down the street like some sort of some sort of hideous multi-wheeled warriors. Um, right, and the latest complication, <laughs> officers arrested two young people charging, one with assaulting a police officer, and he's on roller skates. Were they all... <laughs> it, was a, it was a near riot. Imagine. This has been an on-again, off-again problem at Skate World, our newest sponsor. <laughs> They've been responsive. We're Imagine. continuing to work with them, but we don't have a we don't have a handle on the problem yet at the Gresham Skate World. Why not bring the kids? The Gresham new, Skate World. No the new, the new ten of all evil is the Gresham Skate World. <laughs> I just you kids get out of here right now and go down to the max dock. Imagine how emasculating that must be to being beaten senseless by a guy on roller skates. Uh huh. Jesus, while well, he and his friends twirl around and sing, When You're a Jet. Mm -hmm. um, I think ice skating isn't funny. Roller skating is hilarious. You didn't, I, I'm just, every person I know who's around my age had at least one roller oh, skating yeah. place. They we had do. the roller skating place. We had the roller barn. <laughs> roller barn. Tim, roller skating place? The Turnpike Rollaway. Yeah, that's a pretty great name. Uh -huh. We had, growing up, um, we had... Um, Skate King, that was the name of the place in Kennewick. And it was, there were two, here's how lame Kennewick was. There were two competing skating emporiums. There was uh, Skate, God, what was it? Skate West, I think it was called, because it was on the west side of town. There was Skate West, and then there was Skate King. And Skate West was, for some, and it's weird how you arbitrarily draw these distinctions when you're a kid, but then you lock into them and they stay there forever. There was Skate West and Skate King. And when you think about it, roller skating rink is a freaking roller skating rink. Mm -hmm. But Skate King was somehow immediately deemed to be the cooler and hipper of the two. I think because the building had a big red stripe on the outside. I really do think that's what it came down to. Oh, and at Skate West, it was a wooden, it was a hardwood floor. Oh. Skate King had a polyurethane floor. And so I think that was the deal. We're like, look at this space age rubberized floor. This, this is a much better skating emporium. And, uh, you know, and then they would play lots of like Blondie. And, um, so I would go to the Skate King. I was a terrible roller skater. I know that that surprises no one. I mean, it's a miracle I'm not dead. Uh, not as bad as I am at ice skating, uh, but I was a terrible roller skater. And I would always do that thing of, like, heading towards the wall, and the only way I could stop was just to go, Wah! like, right over the wall. Um, so I spent a lot of time there. 
And then I kind of transitioned away from my brother, though, my younger brother. He would go to the Skate West place because the Skate King eventually closed. And he would just spend, like, up until he was, like, 15 or 16 or something. Like, he would, that was like, and it wasn't just, like, some weird thing that he did. It somehow was like, and this was not that long ago. This would have been, like, 95, 96 and it was like the place where everybody in Kennewick went, which you think of as like being a thing that was done and over in the 80s. But it was like the place for all the youth to hang out in Kennewick, even as recently as a decade ago. So, and of course, we were always told, though, that that's where they sold the drugs. That and the bowling alley. The mm. bowling alley was the other place where they sold the weed and so forth. So, yes. then the bowling alley was where kids used to hang out and drink beer. Is that true, or is that just a thing you were told? That was, no, that was a thing in uh, Nashua. Really? Kids would hang out back there and drink old Milwaukee. <laughs> Wonderful. We were always told, though, that the... It's, it's funny that you bring up this Gresham thing. We were always told that the skating place was where all the gangs... In the notion of Kennewick... I mean, Portland gangs, that's absurd enough. But the idea of Kennewick gangs is just ludicrous. I mean, it's just so retarded as to not even be explicable. Uh, and yet we were always, stay away from that roller skating rink. That's where all the gangs congregate. So I always wondered if that was a thing that... Uh, if that was just a small town thing, or if that was a thing that every town, like, you wonder if people in Los Angeles spend a lot of time roller skating. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that's mm, just well, a they place do roller blading. It's just really the inline skating. Well, uh, like along the beaches, the sidewalk like stretch. Yeah, the, the sidewalk stretch all along there, Long Beach too. Yeah. Roller blading just looks so silly. It looks like a thing you would break your ankles at pretty mm. easily. Uh, like I've only been ice skating a handful of times, and it is amazing to me that I haven't that I didn't like snap my ankles because when you think about it, when you're sliding along at a fairly good clip on these tiny little blades that are very thin, and I weigh like you know, like 185 pounds, and I'm on these tiny little ice blades, and your your legs aren't like your ankles aren't supposed to bend sideways, but of course every time you crash, it's because your ankles are going and like turned inward. So all right, here's Tim Riley. So, are we talking about the Oscars yet? No. Man, let's talk about them now. No Country for Old Men, and There Will Be Blood. Led with eight Academy Award nominations today. Among the best picture and acting honors were Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, no Country for Old Men is a crime saga about a drug deal gone bad, and There Will Be Blood is a historical epic set in California's oil boom years. Now, you have seen one of these, but not the other? Correct. There Will Be Blood, which is excellent. They'll compete with Forbeck's picture against the melancholy romance of atonement. The pregnancy comedy Juno and the legal drama Michael Clayton. Uh, for best picture, really, Michael Clayton? Yeah. That's interesting. Michael Clayton's a good film. It just doesn't seem like... I, I don't know that I put it up for best picture. It was a really solid film. It's a very... I haven't seen it. It's not by John Grisham, but it's that kind of film. It's a sort of legal thriller with George Clooney, sort of a corporate legal thriller. Um, and it's, a, it's a very, very good film. Very solid. I don't know that it's worth the best picture. It's amazing that Juno got that best picture mm -hmm. nod because that's sort of a quirky little... It's quirky, a little, but it is adorable. The little movie that could. It's so well made, and the soundtrack is fantastic. I and the, Isn't it glamorizing teenage pregnancy? Not so much. It actually glamorizes the fact that like people like Jamie Lynn, the only definition is to not sit there and like try and be a mother yourself. Like There are many other options for your pregnancy. You don't believe that the kids are going to rush out and become pregnant due to this film? God, I won't mention the name of the radio program. I was listening to another radio show that emanates from Portland the other day. Mm -hmm. and um, Anyway, and they were talking about, I guess... I don't know if it's Portland or if it's everywhere. They're doing something where, like, if you're a high school girl who gets, you know, impregnated, you'll get four weeks off of school or something, like, so you can, so you can, you know, get on with the birth, so you can, so you can get a head start on ruining another life. 
Um, she could apply at Kmart for that for mother's hours. <laughs> <laughs> because you have such a bright future. Ahead of you. <laughs> Someday I might get a degree in secretarial work. <laughs> TVVCR repair. Um, the, you too uh, could be a locksmith. <laughs> Actually, that, that, that pays a lot of money. I was just going to say locksmithing is aiming a little too high. That is true. I don't, let's tell these brothers commercials still air, where she's talking about. You too can get a degree in TVBCR repair, dental hygienist, veterinary assistant. I'm so crazy and hungry. Uh, is Sally Struthers even alive? Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, but you know what we did discover is Bob Newhart's wife from that bed and breakfast show. She's dead. Mary Fran or whatever her name was. Okay. Dead. Um, but so they're giving these, you know, these high school uh, nitwits four weeks off for getting pregnant. And I swear to you, one of the guys on this other local, and this is not a show that airs on this station, uh, one of the guys on this other Portland talk show was saying, well, my big concern now is that uh, girls are going to decide to get pregnant uh, just so they can have a couple weeks off from school. I really see that as being a, a real danger with this sort of really? a thing. I swear to you, that's what he was saying. I swear to you. That's what he was, and he was acting like really concerned about it. Like it was really... Like it was really kind of like, like it was going to sweep the nation suddenly. And girls are just going to be like, all right, I'm just going to lean over. Just get me pregnant. I need to, I need a couple of weeks off. So, anyway. so That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yes, it is, Sarah. Here's Tim Riley. Then we'll get Steve. So anyway, I have the whole list moment. here. If anybody else is interested in any of the nominations, speak now and I'll read yes. them off. Which one do you want to hear? All about? of them. I'll be here for hours. Okay. Uh, read. Uh, you did Best Picture. How mm -hmm. about uh, give me like Best Actress. Supporting actress, Kate Blanchett, and I'm not there. Ruby D with American Gangster. Wait, hold on, let's back up. Uh, I'm not there is the Bob Dylan thing, which I will never see. Yeah, she plays Bob Dylan in his end. She plays Bob Dylan? Mm -hmm. She does. She plays, she is in the role of Bob Dylan, which is kind of weird. It sort of freaks me out a little bit because she looks hot, but then she's playing Bob Dylan, and so it kind of messes with my head a little bit. Uh, what's the name? Ruby D in American Gangster? Uh huh. Is Ruby D his mom? I think Ruby D is Denzel's mom in American Gangster, maybe. Swarz I don't really know. Swarzy Ronan and Atonement. Oh, Atonement is that movie the the love story, the best love story since Titanic, which I've never seen. All right. Amy Ryan, Gone Baby Gone, which again I haven't seen. Lara saw it and then she raved about it though. Tilda Swinton with Michael Clayton. Yeah, she's really good in that. All right. Uh, how about let's how do about one best, more. Well, I want to I want to hear like best actress and best actor. How about best <laughs> actress and actor? We just did this. I think that was supporting you did supporting. Oh, I'm sorry. Actress, Kate Blanchett in Elizabeth, The Golden Age. Okay. Julie Christie, Away From Her. Marion Cotillard with La Vie en Rose. That's French. Laura Lindley, The Savages. Oh, I love her. Ellen Page in Juno. Yeah. All right, there you go. Laura Linney. Uh, she has a little crush on me, in case anybody wants to know that. What was the other one? Uh, male uh, Best Actor. Actor, George Clooney and Michael Clayton. Okay. Daniel Day-Lewis, There Will Be Blood. Johnny Depp, Sweeney Todd, the demon Barbara of Fleet Street. Good for cool. him. Tommy Lee Jones in the Valley of Ella. All right. You know, the thing about uh, Johnny Depp is, and we'll get Steve Castle on in like 10 seconds here, I, I don't think Johnny Depp has ever won an Oscar. No. Which is a crime because he's the best actor of his generation. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, you know, right there with Ed Norton and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, he's the, you know, he is the greatest actor of our time, in my opinion. And uh, the, the idea that he has never won an Oscar is just absurd. I don't think Tim Burton's ever won an Oscar either. That just doesn't make any sense. That's just nonsense. All right. Uh, we'll return to the Ministry of Truth in a moment. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. Home of the New York Stock Exchange, where all is bright and wondrous. Steve Kassenbaum, hello, sir. Hey. How's life, my friend? How are things? Oh, what a fun day. 
Yes, and by fun, do you mean excruciating and miserable? Yeah, just watching those numbers change constantly on the big board. So, but it regained most of that, like, what, 500-point loss or something today? Yeah, well, not mo a good portion of it. It closed down. Now it looks like 128 points. You know, five minutes after the opening bell, the Dow was down 450 points. So it made up some of the loss, but not all of it. Jesus. Um, and I know there was this, we were the, we were on the air yesterday, and we were talking about how, you know, the markets overseas obviously weren't closed yesterday. Um, but how, like, didn't London just completely implode yesterday? Oh, yeah. Not, not just London, but the, uh, the Asian markets were, had two horrible days in a row. Some of them were down 8 and 9% uh, two days in a row. That's really bad news in those markets. You know it's bad when the guy comes on and the first thing he goes to is either comparing it to 87 or 29 and going, <laughs> and going well, you know, it's, uh, you know this, this isn't as bad as the Great Depression in 29 that left everybody but Daddy Warbucks uh, destitute. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, I mean, when they're reaching 20 years back, 21 years back, to compare it to something, you know that it's a, it's a bad thing. Tim is saying, what, Tim, how much did London lose? It was like uh, 60 billion pounds. Jesus. $120 billion lost in London. Oh, man. So, all right. Well, in any event. Well, so the, the, the Federal Reserve took the highly unusual step of uh, cutting interest rates on two key interest rates in between meetings of the Federal Reserve. They did it. Uh, about an hour before the opening bell, they cut uh, two interest rates by three-quarters of one percent. And uh, that's probably the only thing that saved us from closing, you know, five, six, seven hundred points down today. Ugh. You know, and the, the thing about it is, like, Drudge, uh, Matt Drudge does these great headlines. And you sometimes have to actually click through and read the entire article because you can never tell when something is an actual emergency or crisis or disaster and when he's just decided to make something a disaster by dint of putting it in 80-point type all red. Uh, <laughs> for example, Matt Drudge never met a weather event that he didn't like to refer to as a hellstorm. Everything, every single time there's, like, wind more than 5 or 10 miles an hour somewhere. Hellstorm Amanda decimates coast. Jamaica break. You know, Jamaica braces for worst wind ever. Uh, but it really was true. He was just doing all these huge scare headlines about the about the stock market, and they, uh, for once, it was uh, not hype, as they say. Um, transitioning to something that is looking really, really, really like hype. Um, so let's talk about Rudy Giuliani and this the New York primary, which it is inconceivable to me that we're now in a position where Rudy Giuliani might get pounded like a gong in New York. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you, you would have thought this to be impossible. Two recent polls here in New York show that uh, Senator McCain now has a two-digit lead over Giuliani amongst registered Republicans likely to vote on February 5th here, Super Tuesday. I mean, is it is it just that he hasn't been there forever, or or because I know, and I suppose there, how you look at this depends on where you are in the country. But I know that in this part of the country, anyway, the people I talk to. There is a certain sense that he needs to lay off the 9-11 drum, uh, that I, he just needs to quit mentioning it, talking about it, bringing it up. Because, like, everybody knows it, and it starts to look at this point like he's just ringing it for every vote that he can. Well, you know what it is? Uh, his strategy to uh, not campaign heavily in the early states, uh, and even not so early states, and to put all of his... Uh you know, throw everything in the basket and in the Florida basket, so to speak, and 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 rest his hopes on that because it's more representative of the United States. It, it obviously has backfired on him because people, you know, they see him doing poorly in other states, and they think, well, he's not a potential winner, and I don't want to vote for somebody who really doesn't stand a chance at all for winning. And as much as we tell you to vote for who you think, 
will be the best man or woman in the in the White House. People really just want to vote for somebody who they think can win, who they think, you know, will come away at least in the top two. Well, nobody wants to vote. Nobody wants to, you know, especially in a post-Nader era, uh, nobody wants to just be throwing their vote away on some guy that's not going to win anything. And when they, I'm already sort of looking forward to five or six or ten years from now when they write, you know, the book about this presidential race, which is, you know, shaping up to be the most hotly contested race in probably eight decades in many ways, for them to just write this obituary about Rudy Giuliani's career. And, uh, like, I want to hear someday interviews with the people in his campaign who thought this was a good idea who decided that well, what you should do is you should go down to St. Petersburg and just stay there for six months and don't talk to anybody outside of Florida. You know, it's really interesting because it'll, I'd love to find out how this evolved because um, there's a really interesting article in the New York Times today. Uh, you know, they've been doing these um, profiles of all the candidates uh, for a while now, and today's article is, is about Rudy Giuliani and, and his style while he was mayor and how if you, you know, cross paths with him, uh, according to the article and, and according to a lot of the things that we reported on back then, you know, you were in a lot of trouble. He'd do whatever he could in, in his power to, you know, exert uh, uh, exact revenge on you. He, you know, whether he could do it through the budget for your agency or whether he could do it by uh, a whole host of methods in city government, he would do it. You know, he wouldn't forget. He would hold uh, a grudge. So as a result, he wound up being surrounded by a lot of people who were very um, – cautious not to go against him in any way whatsoever. So you wonder whether this was his idea and other people sort of jumped on board or whether it really was something that was you know, tossed at him as, as a viable thing. You do. Hunter Thompson had this great phrase about, um, I think he wrote it about, about Bush 41 at one point uh, when it looked like he was uh, going to go down for some stuff. And, and he had this great line where he said, um, he said, nighttime is dawning and his enemies are no longer afraid. And you do get that feeling about, about Giuliani, where the people who once sort of feared his, you know, the, the, the mighty club that he could bring down uh, realize now that he's, you know, he's, he's, on the, the, he's on the downswing of this now. So. Yeah, you know, the article is titled, In Matters Big and Small, Crossing Giuliani Had a Price. That's the headline in the New York Times. And as you read through the article, there are some people who were talking uh, who had, a, a, you know, firsthand knowledge of what it was like during the Giuliani administrations to be uh, behind the scenes at City Hall. And even today, they didn't want to give their names for fear of retribution if Rudy Giuliani was to become president of the United States. Uh, by the way, if you haven't seen Charlie Wilson's War yet, you really ought to. And there's a little uh, Giuliani reference in that film. Who is there? Uh, when Charlie, well, because Charlie Wilson, he was being investigated at one point for allegations of drug use and blah, blah, blah. And apparently the uh, one of those little historical shout-outs where the prosecutor on the case was a then-little-known guy named Rudy Giuliani. So, anyway. Uh, all right, my friend. Enjoy. Are you on tomorrow? Uh, yes, I am. All right. We will have speech with you then. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. Thank you. Steve Katzenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, hello, sir and madam, as the case may be. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Um, I'm making a uh, skate park and skating rink call. Of course you are. We, uh, we do, over where I live, I live in Milwaukee, you know, just, you know, 10 minutes outside of southeast and downtown and everything. Our local place is uh, Oaks Park. All right. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, well, that's like Selwood, isn't it? Um, it's not, it's just kind of past it going out, uh, near the bridge, uh, near the Selwood Bridge. Near and that bridge that out. is always, that bridge that says, like, no trucks because it's falling apart. Yeah, because it's, yeah. like, crumbling into the ocean or, yeah. or the river or whatever. Gotcha. But, um, one place that I'd like to mention is, uh, out in eastern Oregon, where my, uh, parents grew up, there's a little town called Athena. And I'm talking little as in, you could walk across Athena in... 
like 10 minutes. It's this small. There is actually a skate park in Athena, like near Helix, Athena, Weston, all, all these places are like places you probably wouldn't know of unless you, A, grew up in, in Pendleton, or B, combed the area <laughs> just going to all these little places. Like they're, they're in like Weston or Helix, for instance, just has like one school and one school bus. Is it? And so, is the skating place? Is that the? Is that the center of Athena life? Well, I I don't know much about Athena, but it probably is. It's 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 a very small like it's an outdoor thing, but it's kind of like you know those wading pools and parks. Yes. Like those those big concrete. Uh, divots in the ground. It's totally. kind of like one of those. Is there a gazebo where a band plays all the for every Sunday night for the ice cream social? <laughs> there's not even a gazebo. There's like <laughs> a very there's a couple very small ramps and maybe a good like two feet of pipe to grind on. And I actually did see some kids there, but they weren't they weren't wearing you know rollerblades or roller skates. They were on those little razor scooters. Excellent. All right. Well, I'll have to stop by Athena someday, or never. Oh, yeah. Right. Thank you. All right. Bye Goodbye. now. This, this email says, Rick, I worked in a place called Skate Express for one summer in high school. It's the worst job I have ever had. And keep in mind, I've had jobs where I routinely caught on fire. It was nothing but junior high kids who can't drive and were just dropped off for the day by their moms. I also had soccer moms uh, filing their kids on the, or I'm sorry, fling their kids on the counter and ask me what size skate the kids wear, as if I had some magical knowledge of shoe size just by looking at a small child. The other thing I remember was some little girl dedicating the song If by Janet Jackson to me, a song whose chorus was, If I was your lover, the things I'd do to you. Jesus God. All right, there you go. Thank you, sir. Here's Tim Riley. So we have discussed this uh, debate in the past hour or so. Uh, Hillary and Barack traded verbal jabs last night during the latest Democratic presidential debate that took place in South Carolina. Clinton, uh, Clinton sharply criticized Obama for his comments, praising Ronald Reagan and Republican ideas, and charged him with representing Chicago slumlords. Uh, Hillary defended her tactics uh, earlier today. He clearly came last night looking for a fight. And he was determined and launched right in. And I thought it was important to set the record straight. So uh, let's see here. Uh, Hillary Clinton uh, drew the first blood uh, as she sharply criticized uh, Barack Obama for his recent comments praising Ronald Reagan and the Republican Party. You talked about Ronald Reagan being a transformative political leader. I did not mention his name. You're you, Well, I'm here. He's okay, not. Well, and I can't tell who I'm running against. Yeah, there was a couple times when he, he you could tell he was kind of going for the knockout punch, and she would just parry it and just, like, punch him right back. It was almost like she looked at him, and a death ray came out of her <laughs> and she Even has, though you couldn't see it. And she has that weird, like, plasticine mannequin face, you know what I mean, where they just put as much spackle and makeup on her as is humanly possible just to try to cover up the machinery underneath. But, I mean, you, she is like Mecca Hillary at some point. Like, you expect her to just to start stomping out and for, like, you have, like, death beams to just shoot out of her face. So Obama tells uh, Hillary he was fighting the Republican ideas while she was in the corporate world. While I was working on those streets, watching those folks see their jobs shipped overseas, you were a corporate lawyer sitting on the board of Walmart. I was fighting these fights. Uh, Hillary tells Barack that Republicans have ideas, but they are bad ideas. I was fighting against those ideas when you were practicing law and representing your contributor, Resco, in his slum landlord business in inner city Chicago. <laughs> I mean, she's just got that voice that you could, I mean, you could cut glass with that. 
So, oh, Jesus. Yeah. it really is just the most satisfying political season ever. Obama said the Clinton campaign is making false statements about where he stands. President Clinton says that I wasn't opposed to the war from the start. Uh, or says it's a fairy tale that I opposed the war. Uh, that is simply not true. Uh, John Edwards says, attention everyone, I'm here too. <laughs> if she says she will bring change Please. to Washington Hello? while she continues to defend Someone? a system that does not work, that is broken, that is rigged, and is corrupt, corrupted against the interest of most Americans. You know, the thing about John Edwards is, he, uh, he, I, I, he looks... He's not a bad-looking man. He just looks strange in some way. And I kind of put my finger on it last night. He looks like a, like he has sort of a baby's head that you've inflated to, to normal adult size. You know what I mean? Like he's got these big sort of watery blue eyes and just sort of this wide-eyed sort of like looking up from his crib like covered in his own throw-up kind of look, you know? I mean, where's my rattle? <laughs> exactly. Like you can sort of easily picture him in a bonnet sort of just rolling around somewhere. It, he just, he, he looks like a big keen painting or something. He just looks way too childlike, I think, to be taken seriously. He just, you can't, like when you picture him behind the, the Oval, like at the desk in the Oval Office, you just sort of picture him going like, whew, like spinning around in the chair and putting his feet up on the desk. All right. Time for a Britney watch. Uh, here's your Britney watch for uh, Tuesday. And then Sarah apparently has to use the bathroom. has a chance to be reunited with her sons. According to TMZ, attorneys with the senior plan to head back to court to request Spears be allowed coat, monitored visitation, and a therapeutic setting. Uh, Spears' visitation rights with the two boys who pulled earlier this month following an incident which she reportedly refused to turn over the kids to Kevin Federline's bodyguard when her visit with them was scheduled to be over. Uh, Brittany's time with the boys had to be supervised by a court monitor. Now Federline has full custody at the present time. I cannot fathom, and I really am kind of disinterested with with Britney today. I don't know. I think we go through, I don't know, I think we have bull markets and bear markets in terms of Britney Spears. Like the other day, really exciting when she was showing everybody her stained underwear. Today, not so much. <laughs> That's I mean, exactly how I feel. Today I'm kind of like, eh. Yeah, today, all right, fighting for custody of her kids. Ugh. I just don't, I don't care about that today. Today I'm, yeah, today I'm down on Britney. Well, the so. follow-up from Dr. Phil's controversial meeting with Britney Spears just keeps on coming, and now the queen of talk, Oprah Winfrey, has had it. With her Tell It Like It Is protege, this from the National Enquirer, Oprah is furious. She expected Phil to apologize before the situation got out of hand. Instead, he used the spotlight to tout his struggling talk show. Oprah thinks he's completely lost his sense of right or wrong like he had it in the first place. Uh, so we'll ask uh, um, Dorothy Carcesseri from the National Enquirer about that on Thursday uh, when she joins us here on the program. Hey. Thursday? Yeah, Thursday. Uh, excellent. There's your Britney watch uh, for uh, Tuesday. I'm looking at this. Uh, I'm looking at this DVD for Walt Disney's The Game Plan. Do you kind of want to watch it? No. Who? Uh, <laughs> no. 
Well, kind of. Looks like it might be a fun drinking game. Who uh, who wants to hear? Uh, it's apparently according to Bill Zwecker from somewhere. It's uh, it's got a lot of charm and heart. Who wants to hear the uh, description of this movie before we go to a break so Sarah can use the bathroom? I do. Me too. All right. In this hilarious and heartwarming family comedy, one of sports' toughest players ever takes on his biggest challenge yet. What's his biggest challenge yet? I don't know. A small child. Fatherhood. Oh. A superstar with an ego bigger than a football field, Joe Kingman, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, is getting ready for a run at the. Listen to this. It sounds like it sounds like a commercial for Fritos or something. Is getting ready for a run at the big championship game, not Super Bowl. When the eight-year-old daughter he never knew existed shows up at his not-so-family-friendly bachelor pad. As the, I swear to you it says this, as the big game gets closer, he begins to realize the most meaningful win he can achieve is the heart of the one little fan who counts the most. Oh, lordy. Bam. All right. Take a break. Back after this. Uh, top five coming up. Cannibal Watch. Penis Watch. More from Tim Riley. Jim Roop. Oh, God. And we'll reenact or relive anyway, like the world's most awkward Richie Bristol moment that happened yesterday. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Good golly, Miss Molly. KUFO, general manager, program director, KUFO, uh, just walked and he's like, I just sent you some Cloverfield pictures. Check out the photos. Cool. Yep, they're the ones I was just showing you. I mean, it really is like that. It's like that Dan guy that came in with the Joker telephone. I mean, you can tell why they don't have to do any advertising for these movies because we're now doing all the advertising for them. We yeah, have at least we're aware. Build them. We're aware that we're their puppets. Though. It is true. I know, and you know what? And I'm willing to do it for a good movie. If, if I was doing it for a crap film, that'd be different. But. All right. Uh, in just a, a few here, we'll talk to... <sighs> Boy, this whole thing just wears me out. So let me just back up a little bit. A, if you have not gone to 970.am today, you really need to do it. Uh, we have posted the details of this giveaway we're going to be doing. Uh, we are sending... At, oh, there you go. I looked at the uh, I looked at the homepage. There it is. If you go to 970.am, you'll see it right there at the top. Um, we are doing the uh, Lot of Spam for Spam-A-Lot uh, sculpting contest. So the deal is you go there uh, and you submit a, fo- uh, a photo of a Spam sculpture that you yourself have made. Uh, ten finalists will win copies of Monty Python's Life of Brian, the Immaculate Edition box set. Uh, three finalists will come in the studio with their Spam sculptures, and one winner will go to see Spam-A-Lot at the Wynn Hotel in Vegas. Hotel, airfare, VIP tickets for two. Uh, so go to 970.am. Uh, to find out more, your spam sculpture photos got to be uh, submitted by Friday, February 1st, 3 p.m. Uh, so go to 970.am right now to find out more. Um, it, it just the brief tease here, and then we'll do some more news, and then we'll bring in Richie, because it, it, I can't even begin to discuss all of the things that are happening in the world of Richie Bristol and the Pimp Squad. And you know, I've, I told you about what Richie sent me this morning. Yes. So 
Let me just give some bullet points. Then we'll do this news to clear our heads for a bit, and then we'll have more. And then we're going to do the, the Pimp Squad update. Jesus. Um, a, I don't even, A, there was the, like the biggest disaster in the history of the world yesterday with, with the station website and Richie and YouTube. If you heard yesterday's program, you know what we're talking about. If you didn't, um, you really did miss out on a glorious golden moment on the air that we will recap later. I'll just say that it involves the station's website and penis. And perhaps Richie's personal YouTube site. Yes. Sort of like accidentally hitting reply all on an email. Um, and then I swear to you I'm not making this up. I haven't heard it yet, but Sarah has heard part of it. Apparently, Sarah Checker... I haven't heard part of it. I've heard 10 seconds of it. And it was enough to make you turn it off? It was enough to where I knew that I did not want to hear it unless I was in the room with somebody. Like, I just wanted to... Kind of Share like... your pain? Yes. Apparently, uh, when was it sent? 4 a.m. this morning? Um, let me see when the original email Apparently, came. Apparently, uh, early this morning at some point. 2.56 a.m. Jesus. Sounds imagine... like an all-night recording session. I was just going to say, imagine what the studio must have smelled like this morning at around 3 a.m. Um... Apparently, uh, Sarah was checking her email this morning, and she was sent. I am not making this up. The Pimp Squad have apparently composed their own, attention the low, their own rap recording. The subject says, the Pimp Squad song. <laughs> and the body is, Timmy, Adam, and I made this Pimp Squad rap song. <laughs> Richie. What more do you need to know? And it's oh. three minutes long. Jesus. You know what we should do? I should play the first ten seconds, and then... The audience we'll... will, uh... I can, t I can read in your mind. Yeah. The audience will decide, because then it's on them. Because you get to hear, like, one of the first rap lyrics uh, in the first ten sentences. Because here's the thing. And the yeah, boy. I don't... Uh, no, it makes me... I... Wow. I don't want it to be... <laughs> it gives me hives. I don't want it to be on us that we played this and, and tormented the audience. So, instead, we're going to put it on the audience themselves. So, here's the thing. Uh... We'll play 10 seconds of the song, then we'll go to the Ministry of Truth, and then on the other side of the news, we will do an Instapoll, and you all will decide whether or not we horrify you with this entire song. So, Sarah, do you want to play 10 seconds of this, and then we'll go to Tim? Yes. Here's 10 seconds of Richie, Timmy, Ryan, and Adam with the Pimp Squad song. Yeah, boy, straight out of P-Town. T-Dog and Money Shop represent... And now, Jesus, it's so much worse than I imagined. This is Tim Ryan. And who is that woman singing at the beginning? Is that Adam? Please. That was. Please tell me it's not Sarah Wagner. I really think that was Timmy. Oh, she would not do that. I don't know. You know, here's the thing. Sarah's got a great voice, and I know that she occasionally gets hoodwinked into doing to recording things. Excuse that... me, sir. <laughs> which, which, which is like a bump and grind session. Um, it's like a private dance. I know that Sarah uh, Wagner does occasionally uh, get sort of uh, swindled into voicing things that she sometimes then wishes she hadn't agreed to. I'll just put it that way. She has occasionally agreed to voice some copy and then come to me later and go, why did I agree to do this? And I said, I don't know, because you're a fool, apparently. Um, and she does have a great voice. So, please, that, that couldn't have been Timmy Ryan doing that. The play just the, the very beginning of that again. That's a woman. That's no, a woman. No, it seems like they must have tweaked one of their voices. That's possible. Oh, God, that just creeps me. Yeah, boy. No, stop. Stop it. Oh, it burns. Oh, Tim. my God. Who says yeah, boy, after 1993? <laughs> Tim Riley, take me away. Well, 
some of that blue-eyed rap, I guess. <laughs> oh, I wish I was dead. All right. Well, we'll do an instant poll here on the other side. Here's Tim Riley. That's freezing cold out there. As a matter of fact, it was so bad, a school bus lit up a slick road in the suburbs. Thank goodness there were no children aboard. Classes were canceled at one Portland school because the heat went off. Temperatures dropped to 21 degrees below zero in the town of Meacham. The heat is off. There are also water mains breaking. One at the intersection of Southeast 43rd Avenue and Southeast Martins around 8 o'clock. 30 homes were without water for roughly two hours. These people had to go to work without taking a bath in Southeast. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. Don't forget, don't leave your dogs outside for too long. 30 degrees with or without the wind. Dogs and cats could get frostbitten near his noses who and leaves, feet. Well, who leaves their cat? I mean, if you leave your cat outside, that's your cat's problem. I mean, seriously. Cats stay outside anyway. Seriously. They F- belong out F- there. them. Um, but, man, my dog has never been more happy than when the heat finally was fixed in my house. And, of course, for of all, this happened two years ago. Mm. <laughs> like, right in the dead of winter where the heater goes goes on the fritz. Man, I got the heater turned on. It was like the do- It was like I had just healed him of leprosy. The dog just, you know, it's so easy to make pets happy. Last night's Democratic debate on CNN was the number one most-watched primary debate in cable news history. Damn. 4.9 million total viewers, nearly 2 million yeah, boy. in the important 25 to 54 demographic. So, uh, good for seeing it. Yes, good for the 25 54 demographic. That's the money demographic, uh, as so, we all know. Something we know a little something about. That's right. All right. Let's hear about a cannibal, shall we? Oh, fantastic. Here's your cannibal watch. Ow. Ow. Sorry. Sometimes the balance is Oh, to be eaten in Texas. A Texas man is told emergency <laughs> services. Is that like to live and die in L.A.? <laughs> to die and be eaten in Houston. He told the Texas Rangers he killed his girlfriend and cooked parts of her body. And later described his actions as being compelled by God. Well, of course. 25-year-old Christopher Lee McEwen made his initial court appearance. Uh, facing a capital murder charge, he was arrested on Saturday after police said they found a near boiling in a pot. And a piece of flesh impaled on a fork on the kitchen table of his mother's house in the town well, of Tyler, Texas. They used to use cutlery. Uh, a judge has issued a gag order. <laughs> I think I'm gagging already. <laughs> Police said it's unclear whether McEwen consumed any part of the body of his girlfriend. Oh, let's think. Jana Shearer, who's 21. Did I already use the joke about how she was a sweet and tender girl? Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Multiple times. All right. There's your cannibal watch. At this point, I'm just trying to put off the Pimp Squad song. Can't send it back. Is this the only song by the Pit Squad that we know? Is there a flip side to this hit? This is their single. <laughs> yeah, they're on mixed tapes oh my all God. over. What? Breaking news. Oh, wait, hold on. Ow, I just hit my head. Uh, hold, <laughs> <You're kind of laughs> hold on. Uh, where's my... Uh... Oh, damn it. Hold on. I'm sorry. It's stupid that we have to wait for breaking news. To... Damn it. Perfect. Oh, this is serious, too. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, serious. Sorry. Here's breaking news from Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Actor Heath Ledger has been found dead in his New York apartment. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Once again, actor Heath Ledger has been found dead in his New York apartment. Oh, my God. That's all I know at that's this point. That's awful. I know. That's why I told you. Gee, I feel bad thing. for playing that Okay, here we go. Sound. He was found dead in his bed in one of his residences in Soho by his housekeeper. 
at 3.35 Eastern Time. Law enforcement sources say they believe it was not a crime. The 28-year-old actor has a two-year-old daughter with former fiancé Michelle Williams. He was set to play the Joker in the upcoming Batman film, The Dark Knight. Once again, Academy Award nominee Heath Ledger has been found dead in his New York apartment. Oh, my God. Ooh, I've got goosebumps just... Jesus, I did not expect you to say that. You never know what's going to come out of my mouth. And even when you said... I was said, just watching 10 Things I Hate About You yesterday. And even and when Tim said Heath Ledger has been, I thought, arrested, jail, no, dead. drug driving. Heath Ledger has been found dead. Oh, my it's God. On, yeah, it's on drugs right now. He just uh, broke it. I'm, like, shaking. I, I am, Well, too. that's... Of course, I'm keeping my cool because that's my job. Jesus. I uh, I have no response to that. Wow. Um, well, here's a question. I mean... So they say it's not a crime, so... They, now, they're saying it's not a crime, And, you, so and we don't know anything beyond what we've been heard. I mean, obviously, you then think drug overdose, but who, who's, who's to say? Who knows? Um, Jesus. Well, here's a question. I mean, and, and I really am asking this only because it's, you know, because, you know, he was a great actor. Did they, now, do we know, did they finish filming The Dark Knight? Is it done filming? In the upcoming film, it says here. I wonder well, if he, well, let me go back and see what the I wonder if he had um hey uh Sarah let's yeah. let's I know you want to break No it's fine I'm, I'm 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 just saying we want to well I just we'll we'll do some stuff here to the people. and then we'll break and then we'll reset at the top of the hour we'll we'll, we'll still do the pen squad stuff here but we we really do need to, uh, um so once again, we've just learned that Heath Ledger has been found dead in his New York apartment. Can you give me Aaron's number? I'm actually going to call Aaron's phone right now yeah. and see what we know about the... And I don't have his number handy. Um, okay, the Dark Knight. Let me look up uh, what's, uh, let me what's going on with this here. Okay, I'm going to uh, pick this. Its release up. date is July 18th, 2008. Oh, I'm sorry. Ah, that's me. All right. Yeah. So once again, we've just learned that actor Heath Ledger has been found oh, dead we're gonna call in Aaron. his New York apartment. Can you pop me up there? Yeah. We'll uh, call Aaron and see. Hopefully he can answer the phone. Aaron is sort of our uh, go-to guy on this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That really is. That's insane. How old was he? 20. Hello. Aaron Duran. Hey. Hey, it's Rick. Yeah. Hey, uh, did, did you, you hear that? Yeah, yeah, I just heard it. That is crazy. So, um, my... That's messed up. I mean, it's insane. So, uh, and, and I hate to sound... I, I mean, I'm really not trying to diminish his death, but you do think about the work and what he was doing and what he had coming up. And, you know, that's the whole thing about such squandered no, no, time or whatever. That, but, I mean, had they finished The Dark Knight or were they still filming? Um, yeah, I mean, that, not to be bad. Yeah, that was the first thing that popped in my head also. Um, it's, it's listed as in post-production. Okay, so they so had... That leads me to believe principal photography is done. If they need him for any kind of reshoots... Um, so they may gonna, end up. They may end up doing like at the a, crow. Yeah, Brandon Lee and the crow kind of thing. Where they had Christian Slater come in and do Brandon Lee's voice. Right. Um, so I, I mean, I, so I, I mean, I guess I don't know what else there is to report at this at this point. But yeah, like you, the first thing I thought of was, you know, he's been so top of mind recently because this Dark Knight. God, we just had that Dan guy in just like ten days ago to talk about, uh, you know, the Dark Knight, and there was so much. Um, well, and, and, and plus, by everything that everyone's read about this movie, he was really proud of his performance. And so with everybody involved, they're like, he knocked it out of the park. You know, he's fantastic yeah. in this film. You guys can't wait to see it. And then, you know, yeah, not to be all self-centered, but 
the Joker is meant to survive this movie. That's not a big spoiler. They've they've admitted he shows up in the third one. Ugh. So wow. I mean, and, and yeah, and I I mean it's. Jesus. I mean, I remember uh, I remember when the Brandon Lee thing happened, and no no disrespect to Brandon Lee, but Brandon Lee was, that was not nearly as big a deal, except for the means by which it happened, that he got killed on the set. Brandon Lee was, I think on his way, and everybody says this about the deceased, I think he, Brandon Lee was going to be a big star if he hadn't died. That was creepy enough. Yeah, he um, really was, and the crow, and the other thing about Brandon Lee is he died within... I think within a few weeks of the same age as Dad had died, which yeah. added to the whole thing. Oh, man, I remember watching that movie Dragon about Bruce Lee, and there's that whole sequence where in the dream he's trying to warn Brandon against death, who's stalking him, and it just it gives you goosebumps. Oh, yeah, it gives you chills every so, time you watch it. So yeah. I'm, sorry, I'm sorry I've already asked this. How old was he? Do we know? 28. 28. Oh, yeah, he was born in 79. Oh, so. now page six is reporting. Heath Ledger was found dead today in his Broom Street apartment, apparently from a drug, uh, drug overdose. Oh, God damn page it. Page six really? has learned exclusively. Really? So that's what page six is claiming. Thanks. <sighs> ah, God, what a Maybe ball punch. A what a big punch in the sack that is. Seriously. And I don't... I mean, a, and I don't know if it's too, true. Like a new daughter. And page six is reporting it, so maybe it's true, maybe it's not. I mean, it is the New York Post. Uh, but I mean... And and again, I, I'm no I'm no Puritan about stuff. Whatever, I don't care what anybody does in, the, in their body or whatever. But I mean, Jesus, I mean it's such a cliche to say like so much to live for and so whatever. But I mean, you would if you if you're that guy, I mean you got the whole world by the by the short hairs, and you're just you know. And again, we don't know. It's all very preliminary. But you know, you're just flushing it by just sitting there sticking a needle in your armor or whatever. We don't know that that's the case yet, but all right. I mean, yeah, I mean, he already kind of, you know, proved his acting skills in Brokeback Mountain. And then, you know, Dark Knight could have been the one, you know, kind of like how Pirates, you know, finally launched Johnny Depp yeah. where he deserved to be. Dark Knight could have done this for Lee Heath, you know. <sighs> Ugh, all right. It's always the real talented ones that just abuse the crap out of their body. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, well, I guess we'll we'll kind of uh, see what else we can piece together here. So uh, thanks for thanks. Yeah, for... and I'll see what I can find out before I come in on Friday. And all right. Get more info and stuff. Thank you, my friend. Yeah. All right, Aaron Duran of GeekInTheCity.com. Hey, Richie, do me a favor. It may not be swingable, especially right now because this just happened. Will you um, call the Inquirer? Uh, call our contact at the National Inquirer because they're in New York, and if they're not able to do it, uh, I understand. But see if we can uh, swing somebody from. Uh, from the Inquirer today uh, to talk about Heath Ledger. I mean, that really is, that is just crazy. I just can't believe that. Mm -hmm. And and Aaron is, and again, it, the temptation is always to say, well, I don't know, if he'd lived, he would have been one of the best. I mean, they say that about every musician, every actor. I was reading a thing about Sharon Tate the other day, and they're like, Sharon Tate would have been one of the biggest, you know, whatever. Um, but, I mean, with Heath Ledger, you really do get the feeling that his moment was at hand because he was in Brokeback Mountain, obviously, Brothers Grimm, uh, and you know he did his up crap, you know. Early, well, I love some uh, things I hate about you. It's a silly little yeah. movie, but that's one of the first movies that I ever saw him. And I was watching it the other day, like, wow, look at. I was actually thinking, look at how far he's grown since this yeah, little well, movie. And in since Seattle. A Knight's Tale, which mm -hmm. was like a crap that he did. And, you know, he he really did work his way up. And I mean, it is it's no stretch to say that playing the Joker is. I mean, that's like. That's a coup, you know, when you land the role of the Joker in, especially now, uh, because that you know that Batman franchise is just so uh, reinvigorated, um, you know, and 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 by all accounts, his performance as the Joker, 
I don't mean to be like we're just sitting here the, 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 polishing the guys, uh, well, I mean, you know, whatever. literally like seven minutes ago. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know. Uh, I'm so just... in case you, you just tuned in, we just learned that actor Heath Ledger has been found dead in his New York apartment. Page six reports it is apparently from a drug overdose. Jesus. Um, let's see here. I'm looking at, was yes, so he was uh, in uh, um, Brokeback Mountain, Brothers Grimm, Ned Kelly, The Order, Knight's Tale, Monster, Monster's Ball. I forgot about that. Um, so I'm looking here at the, um, yeah, um, uh, film is due in 2008. Um, uh, so yeah, later on the, this, this, uh, this, um, summer or whatever, the, the Batman film is going to be coming out. Um, let's see here. Um, I'm looking here to see if there's any. Ah, all right. So, okay, hold on. We have this now. Let's see. Uh, this is according to. I want to make sure that I have this uh, have this correct before I say it. So, give me just one second. This um, Heath Ledger has been found uh, dead in in New York. I want to make sure that I have this last bit of info correct before I say it. So, I'm waiting for this to uh, to load. Um, is this something appropriate? You think I should post on like MySpace? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, it's a you know, uh, depending on on who you are and how old you are and what kind of movies you watch. I mean, it's a big. I mean, he was a big star, and this was on that. This was this was about to. Uh, the, he was about to become even bigger. The, you know, the idea that this guy was you know had this huge role, a role that people just you know anybody would have given anything to be to play the Joker. Um, okay, I'm trying to find. There's something that has been reported about his death that I'm. Trying, I'm loading this page right now. There's a news site, the real news site, uh, trying to trying to get confirmation of this before I before I say it uh, on the air here. So, uh, and then we'll break here in in, in just a, a short while. I'm waiting for this to load. Um, okay, hold on a second. Um, uh, okay, the housekeeper who went to let Ledger know the masseuse was there found him dead at 3:26. Okay, so I don't have, we don't have independent confirmation of this. Um, it has been reported, and again, it is only reported, not independently confirmed, but it has been reported uh, now that um, high amounts of heroin were found in his bloodstream. Not a fact, not something that's known, only reported at this point. Um, so there you go. Heath Ledger, uh, dead, dead, dead. MSNBC Damn. is reporting that the actor was found surrounded by pills. Ah, uh, really? Yeah. Let me see if I can uh, get more. You know, can I just reveal something here? As horrible as this makes me sound as a person, or maybe not, or maybe it's just because of this Cloverfield thing that Sarah and I have been obsessed with for a few days. I really did for a brief moment. I had this insane thought that maybe it was some kind of weird viral marketing. That's a, you know what is funny is that's what I was thinking too, but that's just too far. It's just know? too. I mean, yeah. It I is. mean, it's not obviously. Although it wouldn't surprise me if somebody does that at some point. But I thought, is he stunting somehow? Because every there's been so much viral marketing for The Dark Knight, and uh, and he is just so effectively creepy as the Joker. And I thought, is this some weird, horrible viral marketing where they're gonna you know where the guy who plays the Joker. You know, in, because Sarah and I were talking about Cloverfield, how, like, all of the... In the hallway, like, how it blurs the line between, you know, reality and this fantasy world. And all of the characters in Cloverfield, not the actors, but the characters, have uh, MySpace pages. And we thought, you know, you know how weird that is, that the, you're blurring the line. It's almost like in The Last Action Hero, where, what's his name, Jack Slater steps off the screen into the real world. 
Um, you know, and I started thinking, well, is this some horrible viral marketing thing where they're actually going to totally break the fourth wall and where the actor who plays the Dark Knight has something terrible happening, like he's murdered under mysterious circumstances, blah, 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 was it the Joker, blah, blah, blah. I know that sounds retarded, but I thought maybe that's possible because really there are no rules anymore uh, in, in terms of how you position something. Jesus. Uh, all right. Once again, in case you just joined us, Actor Heath Ledger has been found dead in his New York apartment. He was found dead by his housekeeper at 3.35 Eastern Time. They believe it was not a crime. MSNBC is reporting that the actor was found surrounded by pills. Yeah. He was 28 years old. He has a two-year-old daughter from former fiancé Michelle Williams. They were separated in September 2007. He plays the joke in the upcoming Batman film, The Dark Knight. It says here... um, Oh, I don't even want to read this. It's just too depressing. I don't even. Thing, it's just. Terrific. I just. It's just. I don't even want to read it. It's just. It's just. It's just. Yeah. It's, uh, Page six reports he died of a drug overdose. Well, there you go. Well done, sport. Jesus. All right, let's take a break here. Freaking waste. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Um, so let's go to, uh, we'll get Jim Roop here in a moment. This is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Heath Ledger is dead. The 2006 Academy Award nominee, Heath Ledger, has been found dead in his bed in one of his residences in Soho by his housekeeper. Now, apparently, she went in to tell him that his masseuse had arrived around 12.30. They also found some pills near his body. New York Times is reporting that the masseuse arrived at the apartment and was let in the door by a housekeeper who knocked on the door of Mr. Ledger's bedroom. When nobody answered, the housekeeper and the masseuse opened the bedroom door and found Mr. Ledger unconscious. They attempted to wake him up. When they couldn't, they called 911. When the paramedics arrived, the actor was in full cardiac arrest. They attempted to perform CPR on him. They were unsuccessful. He was pronounced dead at the scene. The 28-year-old actor has a 2-year-old daughter with former fiancée Michelle Williams. They separated in September 2007. Is that the Dawson's Creek girl? Mm -hmm. All right. He plays the joke mm -hmm. in the upcoming Batman film, The Dark Knight. Once again, actor Heath Ledger has been found dead in his New York City apartment. It just pisses me off. And, and I think as Sarah noted uh, during the break... Everybody was, you know, Aaron and I were drawing the uh, the parallel, and we'll get to Jim in just one second, the, the parallel to Brandon Lee, who was killed on the set of The Crow, and then, of course, it was a huge, you know, deal and, and everything. And, uh, um, you should really read this email from Aaron. Uh, from, uh, Aaron. About uh, about him, about yeah, who dies and who air. doesn't? Okay. No, I'll... and also in talking about how I'm getting into his character and stuff. Um, uh, and so I'll just say real quickly here, and then we'll, then we'll talk to Jim, we'll do this. Um so, if you just tuned in, so Heath Ledger has been found uh, dead. And it, the, the, you know, the, the difference here is, I remember, and it's a horrible thing to say, but it's true, we can all admit it. I remember when Brandon Lee got killed on the set of The Crow. And then they announced that the movie was essentially done. And so Christian Slater would do a little bit of his ADR, his additional dialogue recording. And then they would release the film anyway. 
And everybody, there was a little bit of controversy about, well, should they be releasing it? And he died during the filming and whatever. But, like, you watched it and you felt, I mean, it was poignant and sad and whatever. But it was still all right because it was it was an accidental, you know, on-set death. And it was, you know, no one, I mean, somebody was at fault. But it wasn't a drug overdose. It was a, a horrible accident. Um, and you did feel like, well, this is a great, and it was his best performance, and everybody kind of felt like, well, this is a good way for him to be remembered, going out as this iconic hero, great performance, good movie, whatever. It's not that way with this. I mean, it's like I'm already, maybe it'll be different in a week or a month from now, and I'm not trying to make it more important than it is. I know it's just a movie, but already, like, I'm kind of, I have a bad taste in my mouth about about the movie, you know, like watching it and, like, seeing this guy and knowing he's dead and it's his last performance because he decided to, you know, uh, to be a junkie or whatever. I mean, it's just, you know. I'll read this email from Aaron here in a few. Uh, let's welcome to the uh, Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles CNN radio correspondent Jim Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. How you doing, brother? All right. Man. So, anyway, there you go. There's that. Ah. Um, so I, I, sorry, this is like an awkward transition. Um, right. Well, to, let me help you with that transition. Mike Easler's just been named as the hitting coach for the Dodgers, replacing Don Mattingly. Well, there you go. There sir. you are. It just gets worse. Uh, that's that's the real tragedy today. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a sad story that just broke. Man. Well, I mean, it's just you know, as as we were just saying, it's like I mean, whatever. I don't, I don't. I mean, I do pass judgment, but I don't care what anybody does. You want to take pills, take pills. You want to drink, drink. You want to whatever, do whatever. But I mean, you know, just this is the guy who, as you, you know, always say, would just have the world by the ass, man. And, and you know, and he's, this movie's about to come out, and I, uh, a huge role. I mean, the idea that he's playing the Joker in this new film is just, I mean, it's massive. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's a role that really would, would be, that'll put you, that'll put you on the next level, as they say. And you know, and then they just, you know, and that's no way to go out. They just, you know, you got a kid, and they find you in your room, you know, and you. You decided to dope yourself off with a bunch of pills. I mean, it just sucks, like, in every conceivable way. You know, whenever whenever any actor or any celebrity or anybody gets to a, uh, a certain amount of, of fame, especially if they've done it at a young age, um, I'm not saying, you know, 28's a young age, but he's been acting for a while. And I remember yeah. The Patriot and all that. Oh, yeah. Um, they should, when they make, when you reach a certain monetary uh, level, you should have to take 10% of that. And hire someone to watch you. Well, just because uh, I mean, it's just uh, I don't yeah, know. I mean, because you you start you have all this money, you don't know what to do with it, and you start getting into all this stuff, and you got a lot of time on your hands in between projects, you know. So what do you do? Well, you try to occupy your time, fill your brain with whatever you can. You know, and that's the thing. I saw an interview one time with. Um, God, I don't remember who it was. It was it was some some rock star, um, and I, I forget even who it was. I think it was some some guy, some guy from Poison or something. And he was anyway. They talked to him about cocaine, and he, he they were asking like, well, what you know, what what was the you know, why did you start doing so much cocaine? And he said, well, you know, you're on stage, you're playing in twenty twenty thousand people, which is like, uh, uh, I mean, I don't know what that's like, but that's probably like the biggest adrenaline rush there is. And he's like, you know, you're out there and you're playing for two hours in front of 20,000 people, and it's just like you are up on the, you're breathing the most rarefied air at that point. It is just this sensation. And he's like, you know, there's nothing that can compare to that. He's like, there's no, nothing on earth can compare to, you know, you're, you're playing at the L.A. Forum and there's 50,000 people singing along with all your songs. He's like, do you know what it's like to get off that stage and then you walk back to your hotel room and you've got four days of basically nothing as you're driving in a Greyhound to get to your next, or, you know, in a bus to get to your next gig. He's like, that's why you do cocaine. Because he's like, you got these stretches 
between these huge shows where it's like the just the biggest whatever crash or whatever you want to yeah. call it. No, I understand that. And I think that's probably how it is with these guys where you know if you're an actor you got especially if you're it's one thing if you're a stage actor maybe where you're going out there every night and you're doing it live and the whatever but if you're a film actor you know how it is on a film set you show up and wait you sit around you shoot your scene you sit around for another 3 days you shoot your scene and you get these small tiny moments I think of Whatever, the rush or the, 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 the adrenaline or the joy of the acting or whatever it is. And then you just got these whole long stretches of just downtime where you're just sort of trying to keep on the same emotional plane. And if a guy hands you some bottle of pills or some vial or something or some powder or whatever, and he goes, hey, you take this and it'll, uh, you know, it'll, it'll get you through to the next time. Uh, and especially if you're a guy like him, as you said, started, you know, he got warped pretty young. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's probably pretty tempting. So. Well, I can imagine the pressure, the peer pressure just in that. I mean, if he's going to go out at night, you know, clubbing or whatever it is that they do, um, he's going to run into it. And at some point you're going to say, all right, I'll try it. Right. And there's nobody to tell you no. I mean, as we, the most obvious example is Britney Spears, where there's nobody to tell you no. There's nobody to say you shouldn't do that. Uh, and, in fact, all it is, uh, you know, you get to a certain point. It's like I always joke that, you know, the, the, the people who need uh, need food bought for them don't ever get it. But the people who are rich never have to buy a meal. Yeah. You know, and you get to that level. And, look, I mean, I, I'll tell you this. I am, like, on the celebrity scale, I am no one. I barely even register. I mean, I, I, I almost don't exist on a scale of celebrity. I mean, that's, you know, just I'm you know, in the grand scheme of things, I know how how important I am and how important I'm not. But even I... I have been at, um, you know, places or events or out on the town or whatever. People come, I've had people come up to me and they say, hey, do you, you know, you want to duck in? You want to get high? Do you want, you know, whatever, you know, do you want, do you want a, a bag of this or do you want a joint of this? And I, you know, and I say, hey, you know, thanks, but uh, no thanks, not my deal. I can't even imagine. You're some guy like Heath Ledger. Everywhere you go, whatever you want, somebody will hand it to you. Whatever you need, some guy's there to give it to you. And, uh, you know. Many, many times they're told, hey, you need this. Take this. Yep. You look, you look stressed. Take sure. this. I can't. No, yeah, I mean, and you know, and it, it, to go back to the rock star analogy again, you know, Steven Tyler told this thing about getting on cocaine, and um, he talked about, you know what, you're you're out there, just, you know, and we can all talk about how it's an easy life and it's a whatever, but I mean, it's a, it takes its toll in a certain way. It's exhausting on a lot of levels. And he's like, you know what? He's like, your record company, your manager, everybody who's got 10% of you, They've got, you know, they're telling you, like, get out there and perform. I don't care if you're sick. I don't care if you're tired. Get out there, perform, you know, and, uh, and you know, do what you got to do to make the money. You know, and somebody hands you something that's going to that's gonna make that easier. I guess you're tempted to do it at some point. So, And it's just a waste, man. It's just... Well, I'll tell you, since it's just you and me, I'll tell you this. Um, I've been doing this play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the first two performances we had... Were, I mean, it was like that. It's like, wow, man, you come off in this huge high, and um, uh, I'm, I'm starring opposite this guy named Daniel Roebuck. Uh, if you Google him, you know who he is. But he's, you know, it, it's just it's just awesome to do this, and you come off, and, and you can't sleep. Yeah. You know, you all keyed up until your wife says, hey, if you're going to stay up, you moron, the kid's... Kids' toilets backed up. Yeah. I'll go ahead. You know that that's my cocaine there. I guess that's or that's my downer right there. No, it's. I mean, no, but but it is true, man. I mean, you, when you come off of something like that, you you know you 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 want. Man, I, I'd rather have the feeling that I got at that applause than sitting here, you know, trying to find a replay of the ball game. I uh, hey, I'm looking at Daniel Roebuck. I absolutely I absolutely know who he is. He played Jay Leno in The Late Shift. Yeah, yeah. He. Uh, You're gonna play with that guy? Yeah, we're doing the odd couple. I'm Felix. He's Oscar. 
Look at you, Rockstar. Yeah, well, you know, I got cons into it. That's 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 really cool, man. Yeah, I'll send you the flyer. Uh, please do. I, I'm serious about that. Please do. Um, anyway, this weekend's the last three performances. Thank God. I cannot believe you didn't tell us that you're in a play with this guy, that well, you're, you're in a play, period. Nobody knows. Well, now they do, sir. Um, because they're in Portland, no one's going to come here to see it. If I was in town, if I if I had the time and money, if I'd you come were in see town, it. man, I would sit you on the set. I would say he's going to sit on this couch for this entire production. Thank you, my friend. I would do that. I swear to God, I would. Be, that would be the funniest thing ever. Well, you know, and and Tim and Sarah and I have had these discussions about you know, like at a listener party, for example. Which again, you know, it's a listener party. It's a big thing. But you know, I'm not you know, I'm not on stage at Budokan or whatever. But I mean, you know, you get off, you get done with the listener party, and you're just so keyed up. And, well, you were here the, for the last one. Yeah, that was um, huge. You know, you get done with that, and, you know, it's weird, because, you know, the, as I, and I'm not trying to be falsely whatever, but, you know, I'm just some guy, so it's all said and done. You know, I go and I walk into my living room, and, you know, and it is kind of a weird thing, where you're, like, in the center of this hub of activity earlier, and then you go home, and you're kind of going... Well, here I am on the sofa. Maybe I'll watch MSNBC. You know, and, exactly. and you know, and it's the old joke like everybody says. I go home and my wife still makes me take out the garbage, which is really true. Yep. And I do think there is something to be said for you get a guy like um, Harrison Ford, for example. He's a great example of this. Where Harrison Ford is really upfront about the fact that he works in Hollywood, but he doesn't live there. He lives way off in the hinterland somewhere, I forget exactly where, but for the longest time, it was, you know, I think it's still the case, where they made a big deal about the fact that he does not live in Hollywood. Yeah. He doesn't go to, you know, he doesn't hit the scene. I know he's an old guy anyway, but yeah, he doesn't... But Robert Redford did it too, man. He moved up to, you know, to Utah. Yeah. And, and lived there, just commuted in. You know, or even Johnny Depp. You know, Johnny Depp is as sort of arty as that guy can be. There's something to be said for the fact that he works in Hollywood, but you know what he doesn't he doesn't even live in America. He lives in he some lives little in town in France or whatever with his daughter. He's like, I don't want my daughter anywhere near that. And he actually said, I saw an interview with him one time where he said, like, you know, it is so easy to just, you go out one night, then two nights, then three nights, then five nights, and then suddenly that is your whole world and you think it's normal. Yeah. And he's like, it's not normal for me and it's not good for my kid, and so F it, I'm going to live in Paris. And, you know, there's something to be said for that. Because um, you don't see that guy in the front of tabloids. You don't see him caught smoking a joint somewhere. You don't see him. Whatever. And, again, I don't care if people do that stuff, but it does seem like, it does seem like that is a... Um, that is a river in which there are many uh, undertoes, you know? Did you ever hear Bill Cosby's take on cocaine? Mm, no. He said that, um, he asked the guy, he said, what is it about cocaine that is so great? And the guy told him, well, it intensifies your personality. Right. He says, well, what if you're an a-hole? Totally. Exactly. You know? And I think you can lose perspective uh, pretty easily uh, and just, you know, and you just start to think that, you know, just it warps your whole, uh, you know, whatever, so... Anyway, uh, well, let's. Uh, I know. Oh, let's, well, yeah. let's, let's get off this here. Just, that. No, that's okay. You know, it's. I, it's, it's, it's a shock. It was a shock to hear that. It's a shock, and here, especially on our show, uh, we have been really, really pumped up about this new Batman film because we're, you know, we're dorks. What are you going to do? I'm not going to pretend to be cooler than I. We've been, we've been real nerds about this upcoming Dark Knight film. Well, everybody's been jazzed about it. And I mean, they've been doing this big viral marketing campaign. One of our listeners in Portland. Uh, they've been doing. Uh, it's just depressing. We're going to talk about it. It's depressing me. They've been doing this thing where they hid these cell phones. Oh, this is so morbid now to talk about these cell phones all over in 22 American cities. They hid these cell phones, um, and they they were so cool. They hid them inside a cake at a bakery somewhere in your town. And there was a listener of ours who uh, works at what we'll call a major shoe company, and he 
discovered where one of the phones was. He drives to the bakery. He walks in. He asks. He uses the code word that was from the website. They hand him this cake, and on the front of the cake is a phone number. He dials the phone number. The cake starts ringing. He cuts open the cake. There's a cell phone inside from the Joker. And it was like, hey, here's a cell phone from the Joker. Wait for a phone call. And that's one of only 22 phones in the whole country. And he was, you know, and so we've been so into this movie. And unlike the thing with The Crow, where at least it's sort of a fitting epitaph for a guy. I mean, this just sucks. And it just, you know, it just makes you feel kind of down on the whole thing. So, yeah, I hear you. Well, let's, let's talk about something. Let's just move on to, I mean, it is, you know, let's talk about the Oscars a little bit, as, as, as down as it sounds. Um, so well, he's the, not nominated. Well, there's that. The big thing is that there will be Blood Movie, which Tim saw. I'm trying to see it in the next day or two. Tim has just been raving about There Will Be Blood. And I'm yeah, a big, here it's great. I'm a big Paul Thomas Anderson fan, but I haven't seen it. Apparently, it's great. Daniel Day-Lewis, I guess, is wonderful. Um, a lot of these movies I haven't even heard of. I heard of Juno and some of the others, but there's like a lot of budget like art crap this year that I haven't even... Stuff I didn't even know. Like Michael Clayton? Michael Clayton I saw because I'm a sucker for legal thrillers, and it's like a oh. kind of a corporate... It's like a John Grisham kind of courtroom kind of thriller. and okay. I'm into that, but there's like some like atonement and something called je ne sais pas, you know, some French thing that I never heard of. So I don't know. Oh yeah, that one, dude. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I, I, it was uh, I, nobody really cared about, about these announcements. Everybody wanted to know what the Academy was going to do right. if the writer strike was going on. Well, I thought it was funny, and, and and it frustrated the hell out of all the all the people in the Academy. You know, it, hey, nobody said any surprises. They said. What's the contingency? What, what are you going to do? Right. With the, you know, oh, I thought that was great. It just it pissed everybody off. Yeah, because it's like the the the. It's not. It, it is the. Uh, what is it? The what's his name? Marshall McLuhan said the medium is the message. This is the big question. Is not even who's nominated. It's is anybody going to see it? You right. Know? Yeah, so. I don't think anybody really heard the nominations. They're all staking out. Yep. They can get to Sid Gannis first. Yep. Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. We're put a little bag it for today, my friend. Uh, are you on tomorrow? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, well, you know, we'll talk to you then, and we'll uh, try to be out of the, uh, as my wife will call it, try to be out of the doom cloud by then. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, uh, go home and hug your kids and don't do heroin, I guess. There you go. All right, brother, you have a good day. Thank you, boss. There he goes, Jim Roop in Los Angeles. I can't find anything else about the heroin thing. Uh, that may be bogus. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I saw it on Wikipedia, and I, and they were, you know how Wikipedia, they do, um, what are they, like, sites, I guess they're called, or, you know, where they put the little, the, uh, the, 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 um, the little numbers, like the superscript, mm -hmm. and you click on it, and it shows you where the quote comes from, like a cite, like a reference or a citation. I clicked on both of the sites for that statement. One was CBS, one was TMZ. Neither said heroin, although several people are now reporting that they, yeah, they found him surrounded by pills. Officers tried to shake him awake, but he was unresponsive. Yeah, that's, blah, what, the, blah, blah. that's what the Post and Newsday, Jesus. Newsweek, and everything are saying about the pill thing. Just you know. I mean, you know, and I don't mean to be on a big death train today, but we can do it. It's a big story, and I can, and I keep going back to this thing of like, I don't. Maybe I will feel differently a month from now, but as it stands now, it's like the whole notion of the film just makes me feel kind of sick. Mm -hmm. I just. Okay, so Aaron wrote this really poignant email, and he's like, I wonder, and I do mean this with all sincerity, I wonder if he got a little too into character. Cast and crew were commenting that Heath was receding deeper and deeper into the character. He'd avoid contact with people, deprive himself of sleep, smoke more, etc. Is it possible for an actor to commit himself so deeply that there's no digging out? Maybe. I almost hate to say I that, though. I remember reading those reports, too, that he wouldn't, that he was completely unsocial. But I wonder how much hype, uh, how that is hype. And, and, and I hate, I think I resist that interpretation because I think... Because uh, I can already sense, like, the glamorization of the whatever. Yeah. And maybe that... Well, don't be too quick to judge, either. I mean, nothing not. glamorous about it. Yeah, I'm not. Maybe it was... And maybe he just was having a bad day and took a, a bunch of sleeping pills One and didn't cry for help. And maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe 
you know, everyone has nothing to do with it. I mean, he has been working on movies constantly, and that doesn't seem like it goes along with... Well, I mean, yeah. I guess people use drugs all the time, but he's been doing, like, four movies at a time. Yeah, he was he was halfway through... Uh, this guy says, more uncool, he was in the middle of filming a Terry Gilliam film. If you know anything about Terry Gilliam, uh, he's the guy that made 12 Monkeys and uh, Brazil and, you know, whatever. And he's... That guy is like... Terry Gilliam has had a history of bad luck with films. Uh, films being destroyed, films, like, falling apart halfway through... So here's yet more bad luck for Terry Gilliam that apparently his actor is dead halfway through the movie. So, yeah, and I'm, again, we don't know, and maybe it was accidental, maybe it wasn't. Um, I, I don't know. I Just regardless, it's sad it just, that yeah. we lost a, a very good actor when, like, Britney Spears and Lindsay Lohan will live forever. That's exactly what Aaron says in this email. He yep. says, he says, why is it that idiotic tarts like Lindsay and Britney can pump their bodies full of every drug known to mankind and keep going, but fate decides to roll snake eyes and someone with actual talent? And then he says, on a bitter note, and you know this is true, he says, you know the suits will release a heartfelt letter, uh, but are secretly wringing their hands in greedy glee about the uh, the attention this will bring the film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, there's your big ball punch uh, for early 2008. Ugh. Heath Ledger dead. What a crap way to start the year. Seriously. I'm totally with you with the Batman thing. I mean, you and I have been dorked about it for months. Yep. Siegfried, uh, our friend Siegfried, who is kind of our resident, I mean, probably knows more about movies than anybody I've ever known in my life. He, I mean, he had a really salient observation, uh, which is uh, a terrible thing to say, but undoubtedly true. Uh, he said, if you got one of those uh, Heath Ledger, uh, why so serious posters, you hold on to that, because that's going to oh, be worth something. Man. And I'll tell you what, if you see one of those hanging around town, it's going to be gone in about 10 minutes. So those, uh, those are going to be vanished soon. Oh, just thinking of that poster creeps so me out right exactly, now. Oh. I was just thinking of that Why So Serious poster, and I was just, man, I was just gushing about it. I mean, I know he's just a guy, and it's just a movie, but I was just gushing about that like two weeks ago, about that Why So Serious. I was like, oh, it's the coolest poster I've ever seen for a movie, and now it just makes me kind of sad and whatever. Jesus. All right. Um, well, let's break. We'll come back. Yeah. Tim will give us the latest on this. I don't know if we're going to get to... Um, Probably not. Oh, Jesus. Did you see it. Did you see where he died? Did you see who owned the house? No. I'm not trying to tease. I really don't have time to get into it. We'll get back after this. It's, it's, it's absurd. Stay there. More on the way. So thanks to Siegfried, he has all the Dark Knight posters, of course. Uh, he just sent me this. I'd never seen this Dark Knight poster of just a close-up of his face. Oh, yeah. You can always, by the way, you can always count on Siegfried to lighten the mood a little bit with his trademark pitch black humor. Siegfried says, hey, so uh, I don't want he says, I don't want to be a raging dick. You guys kind of look like you're reading obituaries in that green room Batman photo. <laughs> in the kitchen photo, we're reading the Gotham Times. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Siegfried. I really do love that guy. Oh, Christ. All right. At the Ministry of Truth, here's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Heath Ledger has been found dead in his downtown Manhattan apartment in a possible drug-related death. 
According to the New York Times and WNBC, Ledger was found naked and unconscious with pills strewn all around him. He had an appointment with a masseuse in his apartment around 12.30. The housekeeper who let the guy in, they knocked on the door, no answer. I was, inside. I was wondering about the pills all around you thing. I was wondering how that happens. I, I mean... Know. Like that... holding the bottle and then like maybe something unconscious and they spilled all around him? But, well, maybe. I was going to say, because that... Uh, that makes it sound, I don't know, obviously, but that, that, that kind of stuff always makes it sound like it's intentional because if you were just taking some pills recreationally or to sleep or whatever, you know, you'd throw down pills, you put the bottle back down, and then you whatever, and then you slump over or something. I mean, I don't know. It, the pills all around you, that almost seems like you'd have to, although I guess if he had, now I'm really CSIing it here, but I guess if he had, if, if, you, slump, if you have the pills in your hand and you're unconscious, if he had cardiac arrest, that might have caused that, I guess. I don't know. All right. So uh, we have more on this here. According to uh, Gawker.com, uh, his apartment is owned by actress Mary-Kate Olsen. Well, that's weird. And rumor has it that Ashley Olsen, her sister, had been in the apartment today. Creepy. A crowd of paparazzi and onlookers and television cameras are now gathered outside the building. Several police officers are guarding the door. Was he dating one of the Olsen twins? I don't know. Don't you remember? I, I remember that he's been quite the canoodler lately in the past few months, and I thought that maybe at one point he was with one of the Olsons, like, making out at a nightclub for a night. I saw one of them in the paper the other day or on TMZ or something, but I, I don't remember if it was. I don't know who it was with. I mean, I guess it's not like... I, I guess celebrities, you know... People have friends and whatever, so I guess so, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. So do we know if that's there. Mary Kay Olsen's property and he's renting from her and that's his apartment, or was it her apartment? She owns the there. apartment. She owns the apartment. Mary's and it seems like Heath Ledger doesn't need to be renting an apartment from anybody. It seems like he makes enough money that he would he would have his own place. His body was found face down on the bedroom floor. There are no visible signs of trauma. I mean, it. I don't know, but it seems unlikely. That he would be like subletting from her or something. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I don't really know how that works. I mean, prescription pills were strewn across his bed. Now is it? Is it somebody is reporting that it's a. I don't know how this works. Prescription, but over the counter. Those are two different things. Mm -hmm. It's either prescription or over the counter. And I don't know what you could get over the counter that you could die on. I mean, I suppose there's something, but. That's weird that he's um, has a masseuse appointment at somebody else's apartment. Well, I mean, maybe not though. I mean, let, let, if they were friends or dating or whatever. You know, and yeah. you just call your masseuse and you're like, hey, uh, I'm scheduled for my thing. By the way, here's where I'm at today. Come, come on over. Whatever. I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, so I, that doesn't strike me as that weird, especially if he was spending any amount of time there over the past weeks, months, whatever. If that's where he was just crashing a lot, you might tell whoever, because, you know, he undoubtedly has a masseuse that's just on staff or on call or whatever. And he might just say, hey, for my appointment today, I'm, I'm at such and such apartment. Come on by. So, uh. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, how you doing? What's up? <clears throat> hey, I was uh, just listening before the break, and I tuned in, and I was trying to figure out who passed, and you said it was Heath Ledger. I was really bummed because I just watched for the very first time over the holidays. Matter of fact, it was in my stocking, was A Knight's Tale, and that is a great movie if you've never seen it. It's, you probably have. It's dorky but great. It, I mean, that's oh, exactly good. It's dorky but cool. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Anyway, it's... I, now I'm bummed. All right. Well, glad we could help. 
Okay. And 10 Things I Hate About I You, know. he has one of the most romantic scenes when he's singing. Have you ever seen I've never seen that. Oh. And every time I say that, you're like, you got to watch it. Oh, but now man. I almost feel like I can't. Now I feel like I have to wait a month or I'll be that guy. I have it on VHS if you'd like I'll to be like it. that guy rushing to the store to buy a Bobby Fisher book. Uh, on VHS. Yeah, let me dig up my VCR that, that I don't favorite, own. That was my favorite like hungover movie in college. Like My friends and I would all sit around and watch that. And the I've heard advocate. it's great. I know that it's apparently... And the devil's advocate, really? Mm-hmm. Absentee landlord! Um... I know that it's probably great. I just have never seen it. So it'll be on HBO this weekend, probably. Officials believe that Miss Olson, who's 21, was in California and said it was not clear how long or why Mr. Ledger had been in her apartment. He was found naked and unconscious on the bed. His pills scattered around his body. They shook him. He didn't respond. Well, ironically, I mean, he may have been trying to duck attention. You know, he might have been trying to get away from paparazzi or whatever. And she might have just said, hey, crash at my place while I'm gone. I mean, it, you know. It's, uh, you know, celebrities have celebrity friends, I guess. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, how you doing? What do you got? Well, I'm, I'm wondering if it's been discussed at all about the possibility of a suicide attempt. Well, I mean, it's, uh, who knows? I mean, I guess, yeah. you know. Well, you know, when I hear death by, you know, overdose of prescription or over-the-counter pain medication, that's the first thing that pops into my mind. I mean... I don't, you know, no matter how bad your headache is, you know, I think we all have enough common sense to say maybe 17 is a little too much. Well, and that is, and it is true. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, uh, but I do know that contrary to popular belief, it is really exceptionally hard to overdose or kill yourself with even really strong prescription medication. Like I read something one time about Valium. Uh, and I was, uh, I don't remember why I was, let's not read too much into why I was Googling this, but I was looking something, I think it's because I'd been given Valium for the first time a couple years ago, and I had never taken it, and it was really fantastic, and I wanted to know more about it. I remember reading somewhere that you could take literally, like, hundreds of Valium, and it would knock you out for a long time, and you'd be really sick, but it wouldn't kill you. And the, the, the person said that really, even the really strong prescription medication, I mean, it's hard to overdose on some of that. You almost have to start mixing it all improperly and then take dozens and dozens and dozens. Uh, what, would be, what would be a good example of a pill where it would be easy to overdose on? I don't know, actually. I mean, I you don't know, know probably OxyContin, probably, I mean, because that's essentially heroin. Right, but it's usually, you know, you, you know, uh, uh, what do they call it, a barbiturate and alcohol, you know, some kind of... A mixture, mix. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not just usually pills and... You know, celebrity is great and all that, but we, you know, know firsthand from Cobain that not everyone can handle it. I guess. Fair enough. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Yeah, I guess if you, the, the traditional thing is that you, I think they're benzodiapams or something. It's like barbiturates. You mix those with alcohol. I think that's kind of how they, if you read that, the, the, uh, the what is it, the, the, the Derek Humphreys, that Hemlock Society book or whatever. That's how they're always, it's like seeking all and booze is how they always tell you Man, to do it. You were right about the Seat Pelgers thing. I, I was, you know, not wondering if I should post it as a bolt or not. And I'm looking at my entire bulletin page yeah. and every single thing is Heath Ledger. Yep. Uh, Siegfried chimes in again, says, Rick, the Joker posters are going to be like those taken down similar, are going to be taken down similar to the Spider-Man posters that had the World Trade Center. I forgot about that. Yeah. The Spider-Man posters where you looked at Spidey's eyes and in the, in his re- the reflection of his eye, of his, you know, suit, you could see the World Trade Center in his in his eyepiece, and then he says, "This is really spooky and really sad, Siegfried." Yeah, and then he's yeah he's enclosed both of these Dark Knight posters of Heath Ledger. Boy, can I just tell you? I know I'm stating the bleeding obvious, but this the why so serious uh, poster, uh, which I'm almost tempted to post not to be morbid, but just so people can see what I'm talking you about. You absolutely should. You keep. You, I mean, it's obviously made a big effect on you. you keep well, talk- because I don't know if you've looked at it since this news broke. Uh. But you know what's so creepy about this Why So Serious poster is he's clearly looking at you from, like, the other side of a door or glass. 
and it really is, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not trying to read too much into it, it'll be too melodramatic. The pills appear to be an over-the-counter sleeping medication, according to police spokesman Barbara Chen. Mm. It's 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 like that. Um, uh, this is an analogy that probably will mean nothing to nobody. Um, in the movie Boogie Nights, there's this sequence where the colonel has been arrested for kitty porn or something, and he's in he's in prison, and Burt Reynolds goes to visit him in prison, and they're talking. Uh, on the phone, but through one of those, like, soundproof prison windows. And at a certain point, the phone, you know, gets cut off because they're out of time. And so the colonel's on the other side of the soundproof glass talking, but Burt Reynolds, you can't hear him. He's just talking, but there's no sound coming out of his mouth. Well, the guy who played him died right after Boogie Nights was done. And on the commentary, Paul Thomas Anderson talks about how hard it is to watch that scene where he's tapping at the glass and talking, but you can't hear him. And he's like, it's so hard to watch that because the guy just died. That's what this Why So Serious poster is like. Because it really is like he's on the other side of a veil or whatever. All right. Do we have more? Okay. I'm re, uh, refreshing my This is uh, about Heath Ledger, who was found dead in his apartment uh, just a short time ago. Okay. A highly credible source connected to Heath Ledger says the apartment where the actor was found is not owned by Mary-Kate Olsen or related to her in any way. Which yeah. seems kind of suspect because everyone's saying it's Mary-Kate's not like, or related to her in any way. It's like, yeah. what? Well, you wonder if that's immediate spin coming out of the Olsen camp. Jesus. All right. Uh, let's take a break here, and we will regroup on the other side. Uh, like us coming up at 3, Donna Mike at 7, and so forth. Um, and some of the stuff that we were going to do today uh, just gets shoved to tomorrow. We'll, you know, it's just, uh, we got a bunch of stuff that we'll just uh, we'll do it tomorrow. So uh, for all ye Pim Squad fans, uh, you'll have to wait another day for that. Uh, and sadly, we won't be giving away a copy of Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Disney's The Game Plan today either. That has to wait. Back after this. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. All right. Uh, I'm going to post this this Dark Knight poster. So this story is getting weirder and weirder. So they were saying how it was... um, So first, Heath was at Mary-Kate's apartment. They're found in the apartment known by Mary-Kate Olsen. Then uh, TMZ spoke to cops and said that... And they were saying that Heath Ledger's death was accidental. And then they updated again, and it says, it's not Mary-Kate's apartment. A highly credible source connected to Heath Ledger tells TMZ the apartment where the actor was found is not owned by her. And now they're saying that he had a substance abuse problem, but he'd been clean for a year. Well, I mean, again, while we don't know everything it is, it does seem like that's the way a lot of those things happen, where it's the relapse. I mean, I think so many times it's not, I say as though I'm an addiction medicine specialist, it's not... uh, the addiction that kills you is the relapse mm-hmm. because, you know, your body slowly builds up a tolerance over however many years. Uh, and then what you try to do as much of the drug as you were used to doing yeah, before. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You, and then you get clean. And, of course, you know, with some drugs, I mean, again, I really don't know that much about drugs. Um, but I know with some drugs, it, your the tolerance goes away. Um, pretty quickly. In other words, with certain drugs, and especially with certain like amphetamines, you can lay off the drug for just a couple of weeks, 
And then when you start again, you can start at the ground floor where it only takes one pill or one jolt of whatever to get you back to where you were before. But I think what happens sometimes is, you know, they get clean. And exactly, when they start to to, 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 to use again, they're like, hey, I'll, you know, I remember at the end of the, at the tail end of that, I was doing five bags at once. I'll, I'll do that now. And then, you know, dead. So, anyway. So Tim was saying that it was sleeping pills that they found? Um... And over the he was saying it was a a prescription sleeping drug. I don't know, and so that would not be oxycontin or oxycodone. Um, it wouldn't be, and that's not Vicodin. What's that thing that you're on? Is, would it be like Ativan? Ativan is not a sleeping uh, drug as such. It's a, like an anti. It's like Xanax. It's like an anti-anxiety drug. It could be okay. like Ambien. Uh, Ambien oh. is Ambien is a pretty strong sleeping drug. Um, boy, I wish I wish my wife was in town. Actually, my wife would know. Uh, and we have some people who are. Um, I don't know if I should identify her by name, okay. but we have um, we have a listener uh-huh. who uh, works with folks like this and knows uh, maybe probably no time to talk to her today, but maybe tomorrow we'll do that. Um, uh, but um, yeah, so anyway, all right. Uh, just by the way, uh, now we got this awkward four minutes to fill. Um, it, for those who are curious about this, uh, I did post, not to be morbid about it, but it's because it was kind of in my you know, head. It is what I, it is, and we're going to keep seeing these posters and you know, for four months until the movie completely. comes out. I posted the um, Heath Ledger Why So Serious poster at RickEmerson.com. Um, and the poster, as I said, was always freaky, and now it's just kind of creepy and sad. Um, so you can see that at RickEmerson.com. Thanks to our friend uh, Siegfried for hooking us up with that. Um, I mean, it really, it's, and it, you know what? It's such a shame. I say as though this was the biggest tragedy of all. Uh, I was actually like, I was actually on the trail of buying one of these posters. The why so serious? Mm-hmm. I was going to buy it and frame it and hang it like at my house. Would you clearly, clearly? Well, even if I wanted to, uh, even if I could, I wouldn't do it now. I mean, even uh, you know, you know, and and I say this as a guy who has more than his fair share of morbid memorabilia. Um, but it's uh, it is too soon in the in the truest sense of the word. I mean, even if you could find one of these posters now, which you almost assuredly will not be able to, um, you know, I, I don't think I'd be for hanging that at my house. Well, let's let's see who some of these uh, folks here. Are. Hi, you're on the Rick. Now none of your retard friends get to hear your retard comment. Well done, sir. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi, uh, Rick. I'm sorry. I posted in late. What the hell happened? Why is everybody so sad? Did you never? Did you really not hear? No, I'm serious. I listen to you guys every day, and I happen to be at a doctor's appointment well, today. Well, see, now I'm really, now I'm really, now I'm really tempted to make you guess. Um, all right. So, what would you guess that it is from the context? From the context, from the last uh, 20 seconds, that uh, Heath Ledger OD'd on sleeping pills. Well done. Yeah. Look at you, Playa. So that is, yeah. it's not confirmed. It's yet, not confirmed. But he, he is dead, and he was found naked, face down, in an apartment. He is. Oh my lord. He is full on dead, but uh, no one really knows. Uh, wow. And the Joker is his last great triumph. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, and uh, and again, we don't really know what happened, but I mean, it is. It does uh, sometimes seem that these guys overdose, uh, and, and they overdose before they can. You know, before they can really see, like, the, the the masterpiece, and I'm not trying to make it more than it is, the Batman film, but, you know, by all accounts, it was, like, the best thing he'd ever done. Well, you know what, Rick and Sarah, when you guys sit up at night and you stare at the ceiling and you cannot sleep, for some reason, these guys and these gals that are in Hollywood, they they think they don't have to. 
Yeah, you know, yeah. they, they, they take pills for it. But anyway, you guys, thanks for tuning me in. You guys are great. Thank thanks. you, sir. All right. Uh, this guy says, hey, Rick, sadly, in drug overdoses, the downer nature of some pills and substances slows the heart rate down to where it will just stop, which is sometimes where the cardiac arrest happens. Uh. The pill scattering is usually due to the person being so drowsed out they will drop bottles, fall over, etc., try to move, but only be able to roughly flail, What's knocking up? around whatever's around Hence them. face down on the ground. Yeah. So he takes a bunch of pills, which, and I don't, look, I mean, just that trazodone that I take, I know that when that trazodone, which is a prescription pill, uh, not hardcore, but it's, it's, a, it's a prescription sleeping aid that I take, I know that trazodone is, it's freaky, because you know what, you are fine, 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 and then Lara will tell you, the first couple nights I took it, I literally almost fell over, because it hits you like that, and there were, t- like, this is kind of funny. The first time I took that trazodone, I was laying on the couch, took the trazodone, and about 20 minutes later, I got up, you know, to get up and go to the bathroom or brush my teeth or whatever, and I fell over into the coffee table because it just kicked in immediately. And um, Sleeping pills and anything of that kind kind of freak me out. So, yeah. So, I mean, if he's, you know, you take a fistful of those and they kick in and, you know, you fall over and it just slows your heart down. Well, there you go. That sucks. Uh, sorry to everybody and everything on a down note here today, but what can you do? Uh, tomorrow we'll bring a smile or perhaps pain to your face with the Pimp Squad recordings. Uh, we'll give away this copy of uh, The Game Plan, a touchdown for the entire family. Anyway, uh, find out more at rickemerson.com, sarahxdillon.com, rileylive.com. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents Lisa Desjardins and James Roop and Steve Kastenbaum. We'll hear from uh, more of those uh, from those guys tomorrow about this. Uh, Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970, Solid State Radio. The newsroom, Tim Riley and the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn. Bridget is our imagerist upstairs. And uh, Susan Reynolds is the CBS Radio Portland marketing guru. Like us next, Donna Mike at 7. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Watch out for snakes. Bye now. Thanks.